full two hours for the exams. But mine are every single day next week, Monday through Friday. So that's wow. Yeah, that's ten hours of driving next week just to take my exams. <laughs> Hope you got some podcasts downloaded. Oh, I have so many. It's a huge problem since I listen or the to audio books, right? Well, I finished the audiobook, and I think we mentioned that last week, but as a result of that, I have basically two full weeks worth of podcasts that I've been trying to catch up on, and it's been uh, it's a lot it's a lot to catch up on. And, you know, this is, this is actually a good follow-up on one of our older episodes when we were trying to cut back. Um, I did cut back, but then I picked up a couple more, um, a couple more shows. I'm getting into true crime a lot more. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Along with the rest of America. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really good for the podcasting format. I mean, it's great. There there are never any answers, but it's the same kind of thing that you're getting out of any like History Channel special. You know, it's interesting. The questions lead you in; they carry you throughout the entire thing, and you're left with them at the end of it. But it's still it's a fun ride. And I've been I've been checking out the ones about uh, the Happy Face Killer, and then um, there's one called uh, Undiscovered Bomb on Board. And uh, today I started one um, that's actually uh, is actually in the news. Shoot, what is this thing called? I, I saw it pop up in the news today. Um, there's like a development in the story. It's this cold case that they're investigating in Australia. It's called uh, the Teacher's Pet, and uh, it's about this guy who is like a, a pro footballer in Australia and became a, a teacher and um, had an affair with a you know like a one of his students and. Um, potentially killed his wife his wife went missing and he's never been charged for the crime or anything and that's what this whole podcast is about it's been pretty popular and actually won some awards over the past year uh but today he was actually i think he was um actually charged with her murder and this happened in like the the 70s or the 80s or something so it'll be interesting to to listen to one of these shows when something is actually happening like (laughs) there's actually progress yeah that's i have a weird the, the whole true crime thing kind of eeks me like i i get the appeal i tried that um what was that awful podcast oh man uh serial no 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 that's that's a fine podcast see serial is not true crime serial is is, sort of is but i feel like it's more about the quest for justice than the crime well and, isn't and, isn't isn't it the same for anything though? I think no. I think the other. I think true crime podcasts. A lot of them are like my favorite murder or whatever. You know, like uh-huh. they're like they're like capitalizing on tragedy and okay. and like glorifying killers and crime people. Like that's it's a weird obsession, a weird like crime porn thing that that we're going through now in in not just the podcast community but like the Netflix community too and. The documentaries like that 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 show the staircase on netflix i watched that and i, oh, was, yeah. really capti- I yeah. was captivated by it and and it's you know it's very divisive still don't know where to land it. on that i still have yeah no idea it's difficult so like i'm not gonna pretend like i i wasn't in like i didn't enjoy that documentary but just like the the desire to seek out more of these shows is kind of weird to me just well, because uh, I, uh, yeah, tell me what you think. Well, I think maybe I'm using the wrong terminology then. Maybe it's not true crime I'm listening to because I think every single one of these, uh, you know, crime and you know, crime inspired podcasts that I'm listening to, they're all uh, presented by and produced by um, like journalistic folks. You know, whether it be you know somebody that's working for the CBC and God, I love their podcasts. The CBC have the best 
reporting podcasts. I swear they're so good. And then uh, you know this Australian one is is by several journalists from Australia. Like it is, it does seem that all of these shows are trying to find the answers by you know digging up these cold cases and, and digging into them to see if there's anything that they can find in a in a more modern light. But yeah, I don't. I don't think any of these feel like they glorify them. But then when you say my favorite murder, like I've never listened to that show, but I, I know the gist of it. And um, there definitely are some that are more, uh, you know, just like let's just talk about serial killers and, and oh, whatnot. that's the um, the Tara Grinstead one, which was uh, Up and Vanished. That podcast, I gave that podcast so much of my time mm. before I just got so fed up with it because it was just like this guy's like I want to do a true crime podcast. And I'm going to pick a case, and I'm going to start um, getting really invested into it. And the dude is a total meathead. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Host of Payne Lindsay, P-A-Y-N-E Lindsay is his name. And it is garbage. It's hot garbage. He spends like two full episodes just patting himself on the back for solving whatever case, <laughs> you know. And it's, it's the dude is despicable. <laughs> this podcast sounds like garbage well uh, he uh he makes a lot of money on that show <laughs> he I, does I and you could tell because he puts an ad in every five seconds and it totally it's like who's that, it's <laughs> that, that, that the ad things like you know talking about grizzly murder details and suspense and then busting in with like a freaking quip ad or whatever oh the kind of thing where it's like yeah we talk about a lot of terrifying things in the show but you know what else is terrifying not yeah. being able to find your socks and then yeah, goes exactly. into yeah 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 MeUndies ad right, right in the middle of, of like you know crime scene details it's it's gross and i don't like it um so his his podcast is particularly awful hmm. and that that definitely excludes me from working with him for the rest of my life so well, that's fine <laughs> yeah yeah i'm I'm sure uh if his show sounds that bad and he has uh he's gone for a couple seasons now that show's been around Thank for God. a little while so yeah. i'm sure he's well, not he, looking for i think he started producers. something else I think he started something else too. Um, Cause I mean, he ran that case into the ground essentially, but it was just so gross. Like there's literally like 10 minutes of one episode where it just shows him walking around at like some meeting or whatever, like interviewing people talking about, or like he, he did like a compilation of people talking about his podcast and how it led to the arrest of this dude. Hmm. Not like the dude and the dude confessed, you know, like the guy outed himself on the, 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 the who committed the crime. It was oh so no no so He's, many uh, false leads so many making mountains out of molehills like it, it was just it was phenomenally unphenomenal huh it sounds like he's um looks like he's making a tv show that picks up where the podcast left off cool i hope it gets canceled yeah you know? he's pivoting <laughs> that seems i mean i i just watched another episode of homecoming i'm i'm kind of like you know six or seven episodes into that and mm-hmm. i'm digging that pretty hard so oh man now i wish i would have started watching that so that we could talk about it because i i do want to watch that but it's um it's, 20, it's like 26 minute episodes man it's not oh, really catch up uh, yeah they're quick. okay they're quick yeah maybe I'll, I'll i'll jump on that train i'm trying to finish up sabrina because they're putting out a, a <sighs> holiday special yeah i know i know Aaron watches. <laughs> she, it, is that, that what she her, was watching tonight <laughs> that was her gateway trash into riverdale uh okay see i i don't i have no history with with the the riverdale rt any of that kind of stuff but you're watching sabrina now well i used to watch sabrina the teenage witch when i was younger and then you know it it has more of like a a horror spin on it and it you know i like occult inspired things and and look i understand that it's like a it very much has like that cw style feel you know like the the uh, vampire diaries 
supernatural sort of appeal to it. Um, and that's just fine. Yeah, it's it's trash TV, but I'm enjoying the show. It's, it's fine. I, mean, I, I honestly haven't watched an episode. It could be fine. There's there's not any. I can't. I think judge. it's pretty good. Just, like there are cringy moments, but it 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 is clever and it's it's funny in ways that I I didn't expect. And it's like it's like the CW style stuff that you'd expect, but right. It's a just, little yeah, more it strikes mature. me the same as like Gossip Girl or you know like Pretty Little Liars shows. Also that I've never seen an episode of, but it's what I imagine to be those type of show where it's just kind of like quippy dialogue and. You know, young actors mm-hmm. getting into like, ooh, like, you Risky know, situations, tantalizing. Yeah, yeah ooh, yeah. tantalizing, you know, like, bordering on like weird sex stuff. And like, I don't know. It's yeah. just. Yeah. It doesn't have a whole lot me. of that. Like, there was a little bit at the very beginning, but it all, like, it, there's. I think the most risque thing in the entire show so far was, I, I believe there was, there was a, a gay sex scene, sort of, you know, Netflix style. And then <laughs> there was a, a sh- like, one shot of the lead actress. Uh, who was like approaching? Sure, I, yeah, I can't say her name. Um, From Mad Men, was she in Mad Men? She was Sally Draper. I I haven't watched the show, but that's good to know. She's pretty good. I think I think she's fine. She's perfect for this kind of role. And, um, that's she was a child on on Mad Men. Hmm. She grew up on the show, but like yeah, she started as like a like you know six or seven years old. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's fine. It's not it's not like too risque. It's it's somewhat cheesy, but there's enough to it that's kind of clever and, and fun that it's uh, it's okay to watch. Yeah, I mean, I watch Jersey Shore, so I can't. I'm not, I can't be on a high horse. Like, <laughs> Are you, I, I, it's it's back, right? So you're like stoked. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're. I don't know what happened to the show, but like they did they did the reunion in Miami, and then uh-huh. they did. They're like we're going to Vegas, and they did a Vegas thing, and then about halfway through the Vegas season, they're like all right, I guess we're just going to do 24 episodes in this thing, huh? And they just, they dragged it out another 12 episodes and, or, or however many they're doing. And they essentially doubled the length of the season from the last one. Mm. And they they went back to the original Jersey Shore house for a couple, like a weekend or whatever. And now they're in some weird mansion in the middle of Jersey. That doesn't really make any sense. Um, it's not the Jersey Shore. <laughs> mm. It's not any shore. It's just like inland with a pool. So it's like the real world, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that, that's just like, that's really just, that's great trash TV. But I, but when I, when you say Riverdale and when you say Sabrina, they have this ad for like some weird vampire zombie hunter show. It looks like a porn, honestly. Like it, the acting is like porn level. and True Blood? No, 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 no. This is different. This is something else entirely. It's some, some MTV zombie show. It could be, even be MTV too. I don't know what it's an ad for. Um, but yeah, it's just, I just imagine like really poor acting. Yeah. The vampire diaries, right? Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's that, that was like, I think it was initially on the CW. I watched that show when it first came out. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I probably watched the first season and a half of that show. Yes. It is the vampire diaries. Yeah. Oh my God. It looks so trashy, man. Yeah. It's got a, what's his face from lost. I, that, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't remember the guy's name in lost. Um, uh, she, you know, he's like the guy with the smoldery look. The younger I've dude. Never, no, I've never watched Lost, so. Oh, really? That's okay. That's surprising. Uh, Ian Summerhalder. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, he was, I think he was like the, he's probably the biggest name <laughs> in that show when it came around. I did see on Netflix though, uh, they were they were advertising one of their many new Christmas films, which all look terrible. And uh, one of the the lead actresses from the Vampire Diaries takes a lead in in that movie as well. 
So mm-hmm. I guess they're getting out there and doing something. But I haven't seen a whole lot of the people from that show and other things, which could mean that the show is still going. I'm just not sure. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Wait, okay. So I'll get onto this. Uh, Homecoming. But yeah, I, I want to get around to that. I don't know. I've, yeah. The only TV I'm like really catching up on right now is uh, is Doctor Who because this new season is fantastic. I don't think you're a I, Who guy, right? No, I'm definitely not a Who guy. I could be, but I'm not. You could be. I feel it, it's it's a thing you got to get into, and I don't like to pressure anybody to get into it because I feel like if you're going to get into it, you need to find it on your own. Like I, I've had a lot of friends over the years who were big Doctor Who fans, and it's like all they watched, and they're you know big fans and and all that, and they always say, "Oh, you you'd love the show," and they were right. But um, it wasn't until I had like a spare weekend, and I was like, you know what? I haven't heard him talk about the show for a while, but I'm I'm gonna watch all of Doctor Who as a surprise and just like start dropping knowledge on my buddy Tyler, who, you know, usually would do the same around me. So I, I ended up doing that and guess what? Uh, yeah, I like the show. <laughs> it's really good. But. Mm, yeah. I, I've watched like two episodes and it seems intriguing in the same way that star Wars seems interesting to me. I mean, it's not star Wars, sorry, star Trek. Yeah. Um, where like I can pop on any episode of Star Trek and just be captivated immediately by the mystery and the the campiness or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the premise of the episode. And so the same thing goes for Who, you know, it's mm-hmm. just a little, the entry, you know, point is a little bit harder, I feel like, because of how far out it is and um, the weirder things they deal with. I, I think it definitely seems like that from the outside, but if you can... If you just start with the uh, the the 2005 season, the one with um, with the uh, with Doc the ninth Doctor, you can basically Anthony forget. Tennant, or... Oh no 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 no! Before before David, David Tennant, Tennant before David Tennant. Um, yeah, you don't need to know like all the old old stuff. Like if you started season, no, is it season nine? No no no, that's that's the season we're on now. Goodness gracious, um. The show has been around for a very long time, and I've been watching it for a very long time. But Doctor Nine <laughs> can can never remember his name, which is is terrible. Uh, Christopher Eccleston. You want to start the the Eccleston season, which is when they basically re kicked off the the franchise because it's been around for a long time and it's technically all canon. But um, in you know, in, unless you have watched the more recent stuff i feel like you're not really going to get much if you go back and and try to watch the old black and whites and 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 stuff like that so if you want to get into it at some point i would start there the first season i still have to finish game of thrones man that's that's coming out pretty soon the final season and i I like next summer no it's like pretty soon the ads are up on the subway right now and thankfully they're using imagery from the past seasons that i've already seen so it's not spoiling (laughs) it for me but but yeah like (laughs) I got to catch up, man. I only have a few months and I still have to do a whole, the whole last season I have to watch. Oh, goodness gracious. I know, man. This is, it's getting crunch time. Somebody's going to spoil something for me. Thankfully, no, I, I don't know how I went without any spoilers. I only know, well, I, I don't want to spoil for anybody, so I'm not going to say it, but the, yeah, <laughs> like no crazy spoilers have happened. Yeah. Besides knowing what the Red Wedding was, I knew what that was yeah. going into it, but I didn't know what happened. I knew something bad was about to happen. But I don't know who was involved. I think Game of Thrones is still in that kind of spot where you're in danger of spoilers while the show is going on, not so much afterwards. Because people that are watching Game of Thrones and talking about Game of Thrones are 
generally talking about it while it's on while it's happening like the most recent thing they're not generally going back and talking about the red wedding and and you know the big twist from earlier seasons so i i feel like people are still able to catch up without getting spoiled in that way i was the same i caught up like a couple months ago for me it was you know like i work surrounded by people who just watch so much tv it's like like their breaks are spent watching television catching up their train rides are spent watching tv and they're like all the dc series all of the like the flash and the the daredevils all the shows that like i I can't be bothered to watch because it just there's so much of it there's just too much there's too much work to do and there's too much tv (laughs) to watch and i have to be very choosy with what i watch so yeah i only watch the big ones um but yeah they they and the jersey shore that's a big one though um (laughs) but but yeah, like watching them come in after the red wedding, they're all just like shell shocked. They're like, "Dude, oh my god, bro! Like I couldn't end. Like, dude, I can't. Like, did you watch last night? I was just oh." And they'll put on the music from the show. Like, if the soundtrack comes out, they'll put it on. Like, oh man, you're taking me back to the battle from the show last night. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It sounds wicked epic, dudes. And I <laughs> held off until I think I started watching it like a year ago, probably. Yeah, it was about a year ago that I started watching Game of Thrones, and I had watched all whatever five seasons and yeah. the sixth and that's pretty impressive actually i i, I wanted to make a show to it. binge like I, well that's what I, I i couldn't binge it aaron had i would i would watch like five episodes and then take like two months off and aaron because aaron really wants to rewatch it she's seen it all and and i have no desire to and, and just because every i just got so mad at it because everybody dies that i like and the bad guys are always winning. And it's a show about the quest for power. It's kind of how I felt about Heisenberg in, uh, or, you know, and breaking bad. Yeah. Just, you know, just, just like at some, at a certain point you're like, fuck this. Like everyone just sucks. Who cares about the crown? Just, just let them be in power, you know, like whatever. Yeah. If if that's one thing game of Thrones doesn't have going for it, they, they don't. So, they talk about the mad king and they talk about the horrors that he committed right and how bad it, the rule was under him and how innocent people were going to be killed by that person and that's why he was the mad king um so i get that but they don't really paint a good picture of the injustices that are going to happen if any any one person that's currently on the show takes the throne mm. like that's the that's the thing like i'm trying not to like venture the stakes are unclear right it's like oh if they become king then what happens if she becomes queen what's going to happen well i think there's a reason for that and i think you're you're leading up to it okay um, well i mean again i i have nothing from last season so right. you're, you're totally could be right there yeah. it's like i could be leading up to it and I, i'm just speaking without the knowledge that everybody else has but <laughs> yeah that's just that's just my thing is that i don't have i don't have that knowledge but to me that's why i can't get through it because i see no reason why everyone's just like dude just let the lannisters What's their name, right? The Lannisters. Yeah, just, just let them let, take King's Landing. Just let them, let them, just let them be the king and queen. Let let them do that stuff. It's fine. Just let it let it happen. You know, See, like you live in your kingdom in the north. Everybody's fine. And I'm just trying to remember. I guess I think there are people that with a much better grasp on Game of Thrones than than I have mm-hmm. that could probably illuminate all of this stuff for me. And I would love you to do that at my commenta on Twitter, guys. Just hit me up. <laughs> just just blast my twitter with how i'm wrong please. i mean i'm I sure you could understand. just just walk to your local hot topic and ask the clerk like they can catch no, you up. It's, well it's also tricky because i can't i don't want to spoil anything yet you know yeah. i do like that everybody's on the same page because the book hasn't come out right 
I don't think it matters. I think it's I think it's departed. It's because okay. they, they got ahead of the the TV show got ahead of the books like last right. Season. So that's why I like that there was a point where people could read alongside of or like or know what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. But I now, don't I don't know anything about how closely the the show follows the books at all. I'm assuming it's you know it was sort of similar for the first maybe two seasons kind of like in the way that uh the walking dead was for the mm-hmm. first couple of volumes of the comics but it's departed and, and kind of become its own thing which which is nice i mean if, if you're going to depart at all you may as well make it make it its own universe make it its own you know enjoyable piece of media Hmm. yeah well we'll see we'll see in a few months when it comes out a few months it's still like it comes out in april and and that'll probably get so does avengers though and i'm i'm getting ramped up for that <laughs> yeah i guess when you put it put it in that uh that context it, it probably isn't that long avengers it, it seems like the last one just came out and it, i think that one actually came out in april as well didn't it yeah something Infinity like that War. yeah it, <laughs> yeah april, april like 25th or something like that doesn't seem like that long but yeah. No, I mean it's it's nice. I like I like having my Marvel movies. Yeah, it's it's good to look forward to like certain events every year. Like, you know, it's good to like not a... have to wait. That's my thing is that I don't have to wait. There's always something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like there's there's like I guess January is pretty bad for month for like movies and everything. But like you know, Captain Marvel will come out, then Infinity War will come out a couple months later. I mean, we'll have Star Wars next December, right? So yeah, it's just uh, next May. Wait, really? Yeah, I believe they they switched everything back to to the back summer to summer. For, yeah, with Solo, remember? Because we we had a new Star Wars movie in December and then in May. Oh, so that's, that's a the bad schedule now. Move. I know. I I preferred it as a Christmas thing. Like it, it was yeah, a nice tradition. We, and you get more time and yeah, we we did that in our episode. I think on our our Solo review, we kind of went into depth on that on, on yeah. Bantha Fodder. It's gonna be weird. I mean, it's it's nice to go to the theaters during the, the summertime, but. I don't know. Mostly it's just for the air conditioning. Like <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, I'm not looking to, to make like a big, you know, late night event for a movie like that. But I don't know. During the winter time, I feel like it's a little nicer, but it's okay. Wow. So wait, Star Wars is coming out in May and we haven't seen anything from it. Um, no, t- no title or no, I think it's December, man. Really? I don't know. It's... Let me look it up. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up on the internet. Episode <laughs> nine star wars um december 20th 2019 oh interesting so wait a minute yeah did they did they decide that may wasn't good then or i think it's just too much happening because it seemed like they were trying to make that push for a while because it was initially i think the last episodic movie was supposed to come out in like earlier in the year wasn't it and then it got pushed because it didn't want to compete with uh infinity war infinity war yeah i I don't really know the deal i think i also think the reshoots probably pushed solo back too Hmm. but um yeah no i mean i i don't think the episodic films would be making like it's just not a summer thing you know it's just not a summer thing but i I definitely thought that that was going to be the thing for a while no it makes sense but you know because they they wanted to bring it back to like the summer blockbuster like it used to be we got the last Jedi in January. Uh, the name, the title, came out in that January, and then the movie came out 
in that December, like the following December, we we got so it took a year essentially from the title release to the the finished product being put out in theaters. Okay, so all right, there's an article here on Polygon, and it, this actually kind of follows what I I have said for the past two movies, past two episodic movies. It says uh, episode nine had a release date of December ninth. Um, or has a dece- release date of December 19th, 2019. This is a new date. Originally, it was slated for May 2019, but as oh. with the previous two titles, they shifted it to release to the holiday season. So it changed. Yeah, okay. so it did change. Yeah, and I, I, I think I I must have knew that or known that, or I'm just remembering what happened with uh, with the last two because I, you know, that's happened for every single one of the movies except for Solo, which they did get out during the summer. But I don't know. Maybe that was just an experiment to, to kind of see how the the ticket sales would be. I think we just need more time in between star Wars movies. I think that it was a little, you know, we just need to forget about star Wars for a little bit so they can bring it back. Yeah. In a make big it, way. make it more of a thing. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I like both solo and, and rogue one, but it is nice to, to be able to chew on things for a little bit. And, and you, I like, I like having the opportunity for something to get old enough that I want to rewatch it again. Like with the, the star Wars movies, I haven't seen, I think I've watched The Last Jedi once since it's been out on home video. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to be, I want to get to a point where I like want to watch that again. And maybe I will. You over sound break. like me. I know. You sound like me. That's really <laughs> do, funny. That, that's, that's like straight out of my quote book there. I haven't watched Last Jedi either, which yeah. is typical for me. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it's because I really wanted to watch it on Blu-ray and I just never bought the Blu-ray and it's on Netflix. So yeah, it is. Can't be that bad. Yeah. Well, we just uh, recorded our first episode of Bantha Fodder for... <laughs> yeah, we could toss this up on the feed, honestly, Forever. and get out of that idle status we've been at. <laughs> <laughs> just rehashing topics we've gone through before. Yeah. Oh, Jeez. goodness. Man, I'll tell you what. We I started this episode on a, on a disappointing note. I I, uh, I got home, and I thought, hmm, hungry, kitchen, food. And there was a, a dish of brownies that we made last night sitting on the stove. I love brownies. So I yeah. grabbed a brownie, and I looked in the refrigerator. No milk. Yikes, buddy. What do you do? I eat the brownie, and then I wash it down with water. It's like the worst thing ever. But Ugh. I would I would shoot for orange juice before I went for water and brownies. All we have is water and mayonnaise. Yeah, those are like... Mayonnaise is one of my least favorite things in the world. I mean, I, I do have... So, that, I have eggnog. that repulses me. I have eggnog in the fridge, which okay, you would think would be second. like... An Wait easy substitute, but yeah, but it's that's not the obvious choice. But it's not Let's... because I don't I don't like drinking my my eggnog raw, so to speak. I like mixing it with milk to dilute it a little bit. I like the taste of eggnog, yeah. but I don't want that. Like they know, make light eggnog. Texture. Yeah, but why buy that? You can buy the good stuff. You put in you know like a a, a quarter to a half inch worth of eggnog, and you fill the milk up to the tippy top, and it's amazing. You should try it with water instead. I mean, the, it'll still the, it'll, the eggnog. Yeah, eggnog and water. See how it it dilutes. <laughs> oh God, no, 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 no. No, I'm good. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to get milk tomorrow. That's for sure. Z's. Dude, a whole pan of brownies and no milk. Like, it's it's the worst. What were we thinking? We it's it's a ratio problem. Like when we go to the grocery store, one of our mainstays is you know chips and salsa. Like we we usually will like. We get the same kind of chips. Someone says like two dollars only. Comes in a, a white bag. Has a little lady in a dress in it, and uh, and then we get you know whatever kind of salsa strikes our fancy. We'll try different brands. We're not super loyal in that regard. You got to go for the peach, the peach salsa, man. Yeah, that's what I've been getting. The the Newmans. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, so good. 
Sweet so salsa. Good. Yeah, I there's um there's a cheap knockoff brand around here from uh from Save a Lot or Aldi, and um, it's they have one that's pumpkin and one that's apple, and they're both delicious. You, and they don't at first you're like oh no this this isn't good but then once you're on your like third chip you're like oh man i'm gonna finish this entire jar <laughs> right now but any uzis uh <laughs> any I, uzis. It's, it's it's the ratio issue here you know you, you you get your chips you get your salsa but did you get enough bags of chips or did you get too many chips and when you when you sit down to have your chips and salsa or you which one are you gonna run out of first you can never keep like the right ratio in the house like it, it's very hard to do and um i don't know how we let that slide on the brownies because that's a a lot more these are serious mistakes and you I, you're gonna <laughs> i can tell you're gonna lose sleep over this tonight <clears throat> at the very least i'm not gonna have any more brownies tonight dude i just i can't believe you would go for water and not eggnog with your brownie i i know i don't know i was like just, i was about to record like two two fingers of eggnog <sighs> and your brownie and that's it that's all you need Mike, do you, you really want to like have a conversation with me what over about a microphone? And eggnog? No, that's not. I'm not going to pour in enough whiskey to dilute. I'm, I'm listen to me. It's it's the texture. You don't want like this episode could be. It could sound like this. Eat an apple, and that's what we maybe do. Maybe there's the some. Oh, my dog didn't like that, but it, this could be like a totally ASMR episode where you hear every little tongue click of mine. But that's not what you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you on that one. That's water's. I kind of like the ASMR stuff. I might be triggered by that. It's mm. nice. Good to know. Yep. That's been explored a lot in the podcast I listened to, and they did it on Reply All, and they did it on Twenty Thousand Hertz. And I have to say, I enjoyed both times. I think it's. <laughs> I don't know. It's not soothing to me. It puts me on edge. I like it a lot. I like the stereo recordings, and I love that they're just cranking the gains up on their recorders, and everyone's like treating it like it's this majestic thing. Like, oh my god, they are. She's so quiet. And I'm like, no, it's just the noise floor is so high right now, and it's not good. Erin can't listen to it. She hates the sound of people chewing as it is. Mm-hmm. So to magnify the sound of that, it's just maddening for her. Yeah, I sent her the twenty thousand hertz episode, which is a podcast about sound. Um, and, and told her to listen to it and she had to, I don't know if she even made it through the whole thing. Oh uh, yeah. I probably couldn't. I bet you were sitting there with like 5.1 surround sound. I was like, yeah, yeah. On the train, just looking like a maniac, just like everybody else on the train, I guess. Huh? Well, I am, I am still hungry, but, uh, that's, I'm always hungry, man. Later. I'm always hungry and there's never enough food in my house. It doesn't matter like what I, Aaron brought home. Speaking of your brownie situation, Aaron brought home a cupcake from work. A cupcake? Um, a, a single cupcake. It's a large cupcake. It's a New York City cupcake. And not like a Baked by Melissa cupcake, which are like, you know, dime size. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like, I don't know, it was like the Cupcake Factory or some shit like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the cake part of it, we split it in half. The cake part of it was delicious and some of the, like, like cake battery, you know, it was like, it was, it tasted very good. And then the frosting was this bullshit buttercream frosting you ever mess with that before where it tastes more like butter oh yeah that's than, the good stuff oh what's wrong with you people you're all that's this that's the worst you, kind of you, frosting you just want whipped sugar no like i want like the funfetti frosting that you buy at the supermarket <laughs> like that's the best type of frosting in the world you could eat that by the spoonful this this is literally just butter 
and some sugar in it. I think that's all frosting, but something about the ratios, again, speaking of ratios, but I, I don't know what it is, but this specific type of frosting, it's on a lot of cakes, and I'm sure, again, I'm just speaking about things that I don't know that someone could educate me on or that I could very easily Google on the internet, but this type of frosting is bad, and I hate when people use it, and... um yeah, it was it was bad. It just it tastes like eating a stick of butter, like a stick of soft butter. Mm. Yum. <laughs> uh, just so, who generally does the like the the shopping for your apartment? Ooh, um, we don't shop. Really. Okay, is it just well, like a day to day kind of? Well, we do that. Um, we this is not an advertisement. We do Green Chef. For, we did home Blue Apron before this, but then we switched to Green Chef. Um, because Blue Apron kept messing our shit up. And um, so we basically get our groceries delivered to us, essentially, uh, weekly. Mm-hmm. I definitely, we have, you know, like 60 recipes at this point because we've been doing it for close to a year. So, you know, we have so many recipes built up at this point that I'm a proponent for not using the service anymore because it generates a ridiculous amount of waste and recycling is a myth. <laughs> That's not, that's not guy. That's not true guys, but it, it is, you know, it's, it's hard to recycle and the, the amount of recycling you're doing per box is not enough. Like, you know, it's just, you're recycling the cardboard, but then you're sent all this insulation and these ice packs that mm-hmm. they say are recyclable in New York city. You cannot recycle plastic bags or oh, this man. kind of plastic bags. It's just like, it's, it's essentially just sending it to a landfill and it's just, it's a waste. So what I, I'm a huge proponent of us not doing that anymore. So to answer your question, the little shopping that we do is like when we're out of meals, we have three meals a week from the, the green chef people. And, um, we run out, you know, after three nights pretty much. And so I will go to the supermarket and, you know, pick up something. We usually have something to hold us over or we get takeout, you know, on one night a week or something. Yeah. And then I am a big cereal eater. I go through a lot of cereal because I eat it for breakfast every day, and I have like two bowls of cereal a day. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of running, so I need to I need to fill the void in my cal- like I, I burn eight hundred calories today <laughs> this morning from running, and I was like, wow, that's eight hundred extra calories I got to put in my body again because I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm trying to maintain. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so like I got to fill that eight hundred calories with something, and if it's a longer run, you know, it's like thousand twelve hundred calories. It's just like. I'm going to be hungry, man. Are these sugary cereals or are you a Wheaties guy? I try and find a balance. I need, every once in a while I need a break, but typically I can do Honey Nut Checks or Honey Nut Cheerios, you know, something. Those are kind of like my, my middle of the road. Those are my neutral, <laughs> my pH level. If we mm. do, there's like a, there's like a disgusting, like muesli is on one end of the pH scale for cereals. <laughs> there's nothing, it has nothing to do with actual pH. This is just my scale is sweet cereals versus garbage bad tasting cereals that are better for you. So muesli or something is on one side. Um, do you know what that is? No, but it sounds disgusting. It is. It's just like little like grains. And then right in the middle of that, I feel like you have like Cheerios falls close to that side on the, on the lower side of the pH scale here. And then over on the right side, you have like, what's the worst cereal for you? Like, like what's the most sugary cereals? I'm like cinnamon toast crunch is probably worse than Reese's puffs. I would say. Okay. I mean, they're coated in sugar. It's just, yeah. Have you, you ever seen a Reese's Puff? Like, you, when you touch one, like... It comes like, off It on comes you. off on you. <laughs> yeah, that is gross. Um, but yes, I have had Reese's Puff. So, so, yeah, cereals, I will sometimes treat myself to, like, a thing of Fruit Loops or, like, Apple Jacks or whatever, but mm-hmm. more often than not, I'm coming back to the Honey Nut Cheerios or the... 
you know, um, you ever do like the, the post branded things like uh honey bunches of oats, any of the varieties? Oh, of totally. Okay. Well, my, our supermarket now does not offer that. We don't have it. No. Oh no. Yeah, I know. It's messed up. My old supermarket where I used to live, we, I would go for bag cereals all the time. It was like $2 and 29 cents for 14 ounces, whatever. I, I shop by unit price. Huh. Um, so you know, that, that would be easy for me to do, but now they just don't have it. And the, the key foods near me is all like shishi fufu. Cause we live in a stupid rich neighborhood, fucking rich neighborhood. Um, so they charge more for their groceries and everything like that. It's cheaper for me to go across the street from where I live and, um, and go to a CVS to buy my cereal mm-hmm. with my club card there than it is for me to go to the supermarket and buy cereal there. Mm. It's ridiculous. That's I'll so pay funny. A few bucks. It is weird. I, I didn't think of it until it's, I think it's sometimes cheaper for me to buy my almond milk there too. Cause like almond milk is typically like $4 for a half gallon, four fifty, depending on the brand you buy. And every once in a while the supermarket will do a sale. But I think CVS is pretty consistently like three fifty or, you know, under $4 a gallon or half gallon rather. So that's just where I get my, my all my quick things now and like my dry goods, I would say produce. I have to go to the supermarket still. But produce is so rare because we have the meal kit delivery thing. Right. My grandmother, we saw our grandmother for, uh, for you know, the Thanksgiving weekend. And, uh, and she told us that she had just talked to her brother the other day on the phone. You know, that's nice. But she, she, tells, us, um, she tells us that my Uncle Bob, who is, uh, you know, he's, he's about as like, stereotypically farmer as you can get. Uh, think like Napoleon Dynamite when Napoleon goes to work at the chicken farm. Those guys. Yeah, the chickens have large talons. Exactly. What? <laughs> Hope you don't mind if I pay you and change. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he's he's like that level farmer. Like that's that's all he is. He wears his overalls every single day. He's missing a couple fingers. Whoa, Whereas really? A, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you lose those? Oh, you know, just working on uh, tractors. He he actually has a combine collection. He has an entire barn full of combines, and he keeps adding on to the barn as he keeps adding combines to his collection. Does he buy John Deere? Uh, I believe he's, I think it's mostly John Deere. He might have a couple Alice Chalmers. I would but. love to hear about his experience with like the whole service thing with John Deere where like you, ha- you can't like diagnose your own issues or like, you can't repair your own tractor, that whole thing. I don't think Kinda he's, like I don't think he has anything to do with that. I think he does everything himself. <laughs> well, that's what I mean though. That, it's like the whole right to repair thing. It extends not just to Apple computers. It extends to, um, to the, the tractor Look it up, man. There's some crazy stories about that. I like, guess I could. I don't, I don't think that he's the kind of guy that's going to be, like, following warranties, though. I don't think that, like, has ever bothered him. I think, he, you know, he right, buys something it, knowing full well that if it breaks, it's it's on him to to make the repair. Or to have somebody in his John community John Deere is making it, it difficult. Uh, but that's, like, you have to have, like, an authorized John Deere repair person. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I could <laughs> ask him that if we happen to go to uh, that side of the family for Christmas. But uh, please do. But anyway, grandma was talking to him the other day and she relays the story that, um, he's a, he's a big cereal eater as well. And, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what brand he eats. You know, it's, it's, I think it's Wheaties. I think it's just your, your general, your general, uh, you know, run of the mill, non-sugar Wheaties. And, mm-hmm. um, apparently he, he, <laughs> he went out price comparing his Wheaties and he ended up buying over 20 boxes from Menards. What's that? Menards is, as far as like I know, store. no, it's a hardware store. I didn't even know oh. that they sold food. So he uh, he bought twenty boxes of cereal. Uh, from, sure, uh, it wasn't like from you know the, like the stuff you put in the floor in the chicken coop or something like that. This isn't like 
I'm not positive. I think it's crazy. It's, you know, this is like the description of the store says, <laughs> save big money on your home improvement needs at over 300 stores in categories like tools, lumber, appliances, pet supplies, lawn and gardening, and apparently and cereal. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's what I do. You know, if you see a deal, you got to go for it. I, if, if the supermarket is having a deal on almond milk, I'll buy two or three of those things as much as I can carry home because it's going to double in price the next week. And almond milk won't go bad like regular milk. At least I tell yeah. myself that. <laughs> I, I know nothing about that, but... Uh, Dude, almond milk I, is we, great. Yeah, I, I can't agree. I'm sorry. Like, I've never had a, a, a milk substitute that I enjoyed. You're... You're stupid. <laughs> oh, okay. Well... I can only revert to childish taunts. I have no response. No, I mean, milk is fine. I you know, It's not like I've cut it out entirely because I still eat ice cream and whatever. Um the almond milk is just it just doesn't go bad as quickly and if so i feel like that's probably the one of the biggest reasons mm-hmm. also the dairy industry is disgusting to me <laughs> I, I i maybe had one instance of a fake milk and i don't know if it was almond or soy but it was highly chocolatey and i couldn't tell the difference it didn't matter yeah, because oh, all the chocolate, milk is the chocolate. Great. but that's yeah, not great choc- for you <laughs> Well, I mean, they say, that, I mean, there was this stupid made up research, I think, that was like for the, all the runners magazines that I was reading at the time were like, chocolate milk is the best refuel ever. And I think it is, but people are like, what's even better is chocolate almond milk and like trying to pump up mm. everybody into it. I honestly just think it's the industry that's like paying for, you know, just trying to inject uh, like their their presence into the, the cultural. Uh, yeah, it's big almond you know they're marketing ploys yeah. big almond there was I, there's this podcast uh, science versus on gimlet that mm-hmm. talked about all the milk substitutes it's a really quick episode i think it was like a 10 minute episode and they kind of broke down everything uh and they talked about the, the cons of every single you know every single milk substitute versus milk and you know while i think the thing about almond milk is that it requires a massive amount of water to to cultivate those almonds and to right. transform them into milk um, but that what they're saying is that it would like, if the whole world is switched over to plant-based milks or whatever, you know, oat milk, soy milk, mm-hmm. it would be like, it would be like, a, I'm just going to make up a stupid number because I don't know the actual number, but it would be va- vastly like a million times better for the planet. If everyone just switched from dairy milk to almond milk or soy milk really? or whatever, if every, if everyone, if we just get, put a hard stop on dairy milk, it would be amazing for the planet. You know, um, I, it's a good listen. It's like a nine minute or 10 minute podcast episode on Gimlet science versus, I highly recommend you check it out if you're thinking about milk substitutes. But, uh, yeah, I just, I can't get behind cashew milk. Mm-hmm. I, I've tried that and it's definitely, I mean, maybe if I, I if I, it was all I had, but, uh, there's something about it and coconut milk. Erin is, if she ever hears it, she's going to start laughing because she, coconut milk, I, I'm colorblind you know, and I'm red, green, colorblind. So I don't really have to, I don't look too close at things, um, that are different colors or whatever. I can't really tell things apart. I don't see the subtleties. If there's like a little bit of green on the regular almond breeze, like the almond one, and there's no bit of green tint on the, the coconut almond milk. Just the packaging? Yeah. It's you're just not, the packaging. You're, you're, you're not like, reading. You're, you're just going by color. There have been at least three to five occasions where I've come home <laughs> opened up the almond milk container, poured into a bowl of cereal, taken a bite, and then turned my head and looked at the container and be like, ah, shit, it tastes like coconut. 
and I'm not a coconut hater. I just hate it in my milk. Like I don't need that flavor in my cinnamon toast crunch or, or my honey nut Cheerios. It's like it's a very it's it's a flavor that clashes. Like coconut is its own flavor. Like almond milk, I feel like is pretty subtle and it, it's 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 its own thing, but it's not as offensive as coconut as far as a flavor goes. And and Erin has seen me at least two times since I've lived with her, and th- at least another two times back in my old apartment where I've come home with with the coconut almond milk mix because the coloring is just that less green or whatever you know like that that more blue or that less green or something and i just grab the thing on the shelf because it's there it's you know at least the cashew milk is orange that's it's an orange container for the cashew milk but everything else is just either huh. blue or light blue or something yeah i i mean it's i guess very i can see that happen i mean the the, but, the worst i've ever done is you know getting like skim instead of two percent <laughs> oh what's you drink uh, so my friends would rag on me all the time i switched from whatever percent milk i was drinking to skim milk when i was probably like in sixth or seventh grade because i was i was just gaining weight you know my doctor was like well where can we cut calories for you so Ugh. let's just let's put you on skim yeah, you know barely milk but that's the thing is like i switched to skim milk and i didn't notice the difference mm. and my friends just took the biggest shits on me for it. They're like, dude, that's not milk. That's just it's, white water. Yeah, I'm with them. I'm the, with them there. I don't get it, though. It just tastes like it, milk to me. It's, it's all milk. No, man. It's like, okay, they have these big tanks of milk, and then they pour them out in these little jugs. You don't need to mansplain and, and whatever, milk to me, buddy, Whatever right? is left over, when they rinse out the tub, it goes into these other jugs, and that's sold to you as skim, and I just don't get it. That's fine. I remember there was a, there was a time after I switched to skim milk, and my my friends Mark and Brian, they you, they were still on whole milk up in New Hampshire, and we were visiting them, and they, all they had was whole milk. And my mm. mom was like, "All right, guys," like uh, she's like, "Should we put it out in the morning for us for our cereal, or whatever?" And she's like, "Well, I guess this is gonna be like a milkshake for you guys." Like pointing <laughs> to me, and my brother, and we were like, "Okay." And again, like it didn't occur to me at the time that that was, but. But yeah, I guess it, people are very defensive about switching to skim milk. I just, yeah. I can't see why you, everybody wouldn't drink it. I mean, it. I, I don't know how you couldn't tell the difference. Like, I'm a, I, I, mean, I, I buy 2% because that I know will fly in the house. I would drink whole all the time if I could, but I get 2% Ugh. as a compromise. Now, That's May, so when she buys the extra milk, fat. it's generally 1%. And I can tell the difference. Like, I can tell the difference between the two just by taste. And... Around here, you know, the cow walk through an onion patch. <laughs> the defect in that one is bleach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic! Around here, like they have the colored caps. Like that's generally how you tell from brand yeah. to brand. But when like you blue, purple, right? Blue, purple, green. But from brand to brand, that can differ. So blue on one whole is might red, be something right? different elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like mm. red could be something different on each on each one and then we have smith dairy here like smith dairy is a local brand here and that's like a it's a it's a pretty big retailer of dairy products throughout at least the midwest and uh and all of their jugs are yellow so every single one of theirs looks exactly the same i don't even know if they do different colored caps but the labels are a little bit different but all the jugs are yellow and you have to you have to like really look to make sure you're getting the, the right kind i guess but um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can always tell the difference between the, the one and the two. And I drastically prefer two. if it's, it's, it's skim and everything else is just thicker to me. 
And but I just like it's for, well yeah like, that's it. Well, I mean, but I know I make if I go to a hotel and all they they don't have any milk substitutes, so I'll have to have some of the milk on there. Like it's just it just says milk usually. Like I don't see it. I remember cream milk. Like what you would just do like creamer essentially. Like my that would come in the smaller carton. My, mo- like my mom uses for her coffee. Essentially, I think it was just called cream milk. I don't know, but that was a special treat for us. Like if my mom was like. We we get special cereal on vacation or whatever. I don't know if that was a thing with you. Like you get like no. that's when you get trick cereal because my mom was very strict with the cereals. Like until a holiday weekend or something or a vacation, she's like, "Oh, you guys can have tricks this weekend because it's vacation." Other than that, it was Honey Nut Cheerios was the sweetest that we'd go. Um, but we should put cream milk would be one of those treats where it was like a little bit sweeter um, on your Cheerios or your Rice Krispies or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, that was that was our treat. So like. Hmm. That was thicker than whole milk, I feel like. But that oh, was yeah. defined. I mean, if it's that just was straight cream. As, right. That was defined as a treat for us, though. Like, uh, that was, yeah, it was, it was so special. How, do they make skim eggnog? How do you drink eggnog? They make light eggnog. I, I oh. just drink eggnog. Okay. Like, that's, like, I, but I also only drink the hood one that's, like, terrible for you. It's, like, 100% corn syrup, you know? <laughs> the the cookie dough eggnog. Oh, oh my I God, haven't dude. had that. See, it's gone now. They, they had to discontinue it, oh, no. I think. Yeah, well, I think it was just not good for you. I think they're like, this is poses a serious health risk. But there's like, on the Hoods forums, there's like people being like, people are like, please bring back the cookie dough eggnog. And they're like, we can't do it. It's just not going to happen. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to try that. They do the sugar cookie eggnog. Mm. See, we don't have a whole lot of variety. Like, there may be... Uh, There might be like four different brands at Walmart here that you could get. And, and... The only one that ever offers anything really different is uh, what's like the big brand? It's um, it's like it's an alcohol maker, but they make eggnog during the year. It's what we have in the fridge right now. But I, Jack Daniels, I, yeah, Jack Daniels, and yeah. uh, and it's it's okay. It's pretty good. I don't know if it's my favorite, but uh, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's the time of the year when more of them are starting to come out. I'm always looking for a different kind of eggnog that I've not had before because there are very bad kinds. There are kinds that are just terrible, like make you feel terrible, taste terrible. But well, when you find a I good mean, one, that's what you want. The, the sugar cookie eggnog from Hood was definitely my favorite thing, and they mm-hmm. discontinued it for a period of time because of how bad it was for you. And I think something about salmonella, I don't really know. Oh, but there's some really great YouTube reviews. I'm, I'm just checking these out right now. There's this dude just taste testing it. It's great, hmm. but can you buy it at a hood? Like, I don't, I, we don't have whatever this hood brand is. We don't have that in the Midwest, but um, you don't have hood. No, no, no. Delphi. It's probably a very large regional brand around you, but around here we have Dairyman's and we have Smiths. Dude, it's so bad for you. Nine grams of fat and four fluid ounces. Hmm. It's so bad for you, but it's so great. Uh, did, when I you would, were in elementary school, or uh, probably elementary school for you, um, did you? Did you ever have bagged milk? No. Okay. We had just like the little pints. Of See, milk. I don't think that this was a thing that actually got traction outside of where we live. This might be something that's unique to to my specific county because we are, you know, we're like the headquarters of, of Smith Dairy, which is, like I said before, it's a pretty big retailer of milk. I don't know how far out they distribute, but um, they're a pretty big deal. So we, in high school, we would always have Smith milk in cartons, you know, it's just all school size cartons of milk and... I'm sure Smith made a lot of money off of that, but for a while they did these. Uh, they did this trial, and probably just our county school. I should look into this. But they were. It was bagged milk. It was basically these clear plastic sacks of milk, 
and I don't know why this was the thing. Clear? Yeah. Like you could see uh. you, you could see if it was chocolate or if it was white milk because it was just a little clear bag of milk. And you basically you drank the milk by puncturing it with a straw. Like it came with a little straw, not like too unlike a, Yeah, exactly. Like a Capri Sun or a high C. And you would just puncture it. And you had to be careful. You had to make sure that your thumb was on the top of the straw before you punctured it into the hole. Otherwise, the milk would just squirt out of it like an oil dredge. And <laughs> I remember we had an assembly, and they chose somebody to actually try this out, and uh, they messed up on the first go. And they're like, okay, so now you know what happens if you don't put your thumb on the top. So then they did it again, they showed us. And then this was this was the thing in our school for a while, and I remember going away, and we were all pretty disappointed because it was cool. I mean, there were just these sacks of milk. But, you know, I, I'm i assuming it was like a... Maybe it was like a shipping thing for like Smiths. Maybe they could ship more of them more easily or, or something. I honestly I don't know what it's the packa- what it was I mean, for. The, the packaging. packaging this must have been cheaper, I think, you know, yeah. than to have those wax coated whatever. Probably. Um That's what I'm thinking. But we were, we got into a lot of trouble with them, as you can imagine. Like they were messy. Just like like smashing them and getting them all over places. Yeah. I well even just in the in the cafeteria itself, you you could follow the directions to the T and you know, go through them. But if you stab too hard you would go through on the other side and then your tray, <laughs> which the milk is sitting on would just, is it styrofoam it tray? Just fill up. Or is it? Um, I think we had reusable washable ones in elementary school at the time. Um, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't that bad, but styrofoam. You, then you didn't have milk for your, for your lunch. And then there would be a couple of students that would sneak them out in their sweatshirts and then they'd throw up in the air and then they'd watch milk explode. Like, you know, there would be stains all over the blacktop for days. <laughs> you sick children, dude. <laughs> but it was kind of fun. Man, I, uh... That's gross. It's milk everywhere. Oh, man. <laughs> Friggin'. I think we talked about the the carton of, like, the, the egg shipment that just got destroyed outside of one of my local Rite Aids. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you about that? I don't think so. It was horrendous. It's like, in the place that I walk by every morning, there's a Rite Aid right there, and there was just... Just disgusting amounts of eggs just smashed all over in the gutter. And and by day three of these things being here, like, I don't know what they were waiting for, like a heavy rainstorm or something, or like the street sweeper to come by, but it was taking a while and it smelled like shit, buddy. Like, it was, it was terrible. Mm. It was just rotting eggs in the street for three days. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Smell. I mean, New York is bad in general. Like, the city smells like trash constantly. We didn't need eggs in the streets for that. Thanks. I'm sending you a picture now so you can see. Like Smith's uh, uh-huh. apparently wasn't original to this idea, and it looks like there are uh, distributors that are doing this as as recent as 2015. But that's know, disgusting. We were we were uh, early on this train back in like 2002. The fact that it's clear is even weirder to me. I guess yeah. it would be harder. Like colored plastic might be harder than clear plastic. I don't really know. Well, I mean, there's like colored plastic for the logos printed on them, but I think it was just that you could see. Uh, you know, it reminds me of like um, the soft serve machines we used to have in our dining hall in college. Mm-hmm. Like we would have clear plastic bags like that with nozzles on the end that I'd have to reload into the soft serve machine. Yeah, yeah. So that that's definitely something that I I remember. This is actually a picture of somebody stabbing it in, into their lunch tray. The milk is going into it on that Google image search you sent me. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh, there's also a toilet that's brown with a bunch of. Okay, this is just bad. It just. Uh, they look like little colostomy bags. Ugh. 
Man, I, I, I don't know if you're seeing the same results that I am, but there's a there's a full lunch here that actually has a, a carton and everything with a little square piece of pizza and the corn. This looks so good. I I miss school lunch. Are you nostalgic for your plastic loved, pack of milk? No, just like school lunch in general. I, I That was, again, another weird thing, but we did. We didn't get school lunch often, and it was a treat if I get it. Like once a month or something like that, I would get to pick out one of the school lunches or something like that. And that was my, again, a treat yeah. for me. We were, yeah, we were packed kids unless, you know, mom was at the end of uh, our resources at home and needed to go shopping or if, um, you know, for some Did reason. Did you have a lunchbox? Uh, I had a lunch bag. I had, we had a couple of different lunch bags. See, I went through a few in my life, <laughs> in the course of my life. And there was a point in middle school where I real or I felt that plastic ba- uh, that i'm sorry that lunch boxes were no longer cool and only the nerds would bring lunch boxes mm-hmm. and so i asked my mom if we could switch to paper bags and oh, she, paper she bags. obliged yeah like a paper bag lunch because that's what like the cool kids that i wanted to be friends with were coming to school with and now being you know 30 year one years old which i am an old man now um lunch boxes are the shit they're so cool. And I was an idiot to ever think that lunch boxes were not cool. And I just generated a whole bunch of paper waste that yeah. went into the trash bin. Cause we definitely weren't recycling that shit back in elementary and middle school or middle school when it happened. But yeah, it was such a, like lunch boxes are so cool. Especially like the, the, the big plastic ones that didn't really retain any heat or retain any cold. You had to put a little ice pack in there. Yeah. Them. Yeah. You always had the ice packs. I like, you could have like Spider-Man lunch boxes. Those were, I probably lost awesome. so many of these and I'm looking now on, on, on uh, Google and I can't even find any that look remotely like the kind that I had. I think, I think this one might be the closest, but does Amazon have anything? No, I'm it's just kind of hard. I don't think I don't think they really make them in the style anymore. Because if you're going to get a lunchbox, that's like, similar to what I had. That's yeah, very similar. It, to what it's I like had. an upright one. At it one looks point. more like a lunch sack, but it's it's made with uh, with plastic. It's insulated and it has um, you know like zippers. And I think the top was like Velcro. But I never had like um, not until later, at least until like probably middle school, did I have like the square ones that had the uh, the fully zip around top, which mm-hmm. you just kind of lifted off. And I think that was the that's the best way to pack your lunch to go. But yeah, lunchboxes look way different now if you look at it on Amazon. Like they're all they're very like uniform color, a lot of neutral colors. I'm like why it's it's weird they're making lunchboxes fashionable, which I'm all for. But there's still a lunchbox and you're going to look like a nerd no matter what. And that's fine to Holy look like cow. a nerd. These are fancy as hell. I mean, these look like, you know, this yeah. is like this is like the kind of thing that I would want to pack like my my equipment in. Yeah, exactly. These like <laughs> pelican cases for your lunch. <laughs> Look at this Zuzero lunch bag insulated cooler lunchbox with three compartments, and it it just had you can see like it can fit all of these different little prepackaged. Uh, oh, there's a Stanley Classic thing. one. That's incredible. the one. It's like a it's like a little aluminum one, and it's got the little two latches. It's like it's like what a construction worker would bring. That's the oh cool Stanley's shit. the brand you want. Like I yeah I, I uh my my grandfather carried um I think I think it was a Stanley brand. Um, he carried one of these uh you know, coffee cups for years. Silver had a really nice handle on it. An amazing little thing. Those and thermoses he, are amazing. And, uh, and the, well, it, this wasn't just, it wasn't a thermos. It was just, it was an insulated coffee cup, but it was like, it had mm-hmm. a really big base, you know, like almost the base was almost big enough to sit on the coffee pot itself. It was Click you know, on a pretty it. big Look thing. At, it's, that Stanley thing is in there. 
I don't think I have that Stanley same. Uh, I don't have that oh. same result. But okay. But yeah, but, yeah, it but it my grandpa it, it shows he, there he broke yeah. his mug, and uh, and you know he, he was kind of bummed about it. So I think what he ended up doing was he um he like found a place where he could buy a replacement handle because that's what broke off, and he was going to put it back on. Um, but he he didn't end up doing it. I, I think he realized like he didn't have he didn't fully have the equipment that would be needed to you know put put it back on because you can't just screw on a thing into a cup. You're gonna have a hole in your cup, like mm-hmm. you know that's that's kind of like a what is it a grommet sort of situation, and he doesn't have that kind of thing. So I ended up finding one on eBay and I bought it for him and I gave it to him and it was an exact replacement of the one that he had. He was nice. pretty stoked. Lunch containers, man. I had an Ninja Turtle one. What was I thinking, man? <laughs> with those paper bags. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. Is it wait that, the Stanley Heritage cooler? Is that what you're talking about here? Uh, Stanley Classic Lunchbox. Okay, I, I see one here. It's like sixty bucks, and it it, it has a spot where the the These vacuum bottle steel. fits on top. And this is the exact thermos that my dad would take to work every single day. These are These amazing are beasts. Yeah, buy it for life. Yeah, those are good. Oh man, coolers. Do you own a cooler? No, but I don't have any reason to because I don't not. leave my apartment. That's true. Or go to the beach. <laughs> oh, the beaches. See, when you think cooler, you're thinking beach. I'm. That's like totally not. I'm. Thinking, what are you thinking? Like camping. Camping. If you're camping, you can't carry a cooler. Camping. What are you, you talking about? Every, you carry everything in your bag. No, not like backpacking. You, you, camping. When you like go to a campsite and you, you know. You pitch I guess a tent. it depends on your definition of camping. My my definition of camping and like hiking. Or camping and hiking for me and my group of friends, I feel like are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, can't I? I can understand how, though how camping can be considered like you know like bring the RV around or like you know well, not, drive that, out, drive to a to campsite. RV, but yeah, yeah. But like if I if Put I'm camping, it's days. because I hiked into the woods with my friends and we're in the middle of, the, well, of like a five day hike or something like that, which I really want to do again. Yeah, that's fun. I do miss that as well. And that was always you know my favorite part of that was. Um, you know, the challenge of only being able to take so much, especially since I'm smaller, you know, when, when you only weigh so much, you can, you're only supposed to carry so much. And, uh, and that kind of limits what you can bring as far as food goes. Cause you can, you can limit the supplies that you're bringing, especially if you're sharing a tent with somebody, somebody can bring the poles and, uh, my dog's going nuts. Um, somebody takes the pole, somebody takes the fly and the, the, the canvas and you kind of split up that weight that way. And then you got your food and everything. But, um, I was trying, wanted to find like the coolest thing that I could be eating where, cause everybody cooked individually on those chips generally. And I wanted to have like the, the weirdest thing. So I would, I'd have cereal on my backpacking trips and you'd think like, wait, you, you're going to need milk for that. Right. Well, yeah, but I would go for the powdered milk, which isn't even that bad. No, it's great. That was, that was what fed us on tour on our first tour when I was in freshman in college. That was, you know, we, a month on the road, just powdered milk, and we did bag cereal from Walmart, mm-hmm. Berry Colossal Crunch, that sustained us. You just pour water. Speaking of skim milk, you know, you just, you sprinkle the powder on, pour some water in, stir it up, and there you go. The Man, Venetia Fair it. is notorious for their on-the-road meals. Like, they've that, they made some weird stuff. Yeah, that was mostly for the blogs and, like, for just to freak them out. And, like, Sam's sandwich blog was disgusting. Um <laughs> That was yeah, but that wasn't Venetia Fair. That was Sally Boy. That was pre Venetia Fair. I don't know. I don't know. Dan 
Bogosian told me some stories about that band and the, the like the weird stuff that they would eat in the road that involved a lot of it involved ketchup for some reason and I don't know, all kinds of strange stuff. But that's weird. I don't remember any of that. I don't maybe, know. Maybe Ben would. I don't know. Now you're you're Italian as well, so you can probably um you can probably say this better or pronounce my pronunciation. Um, is it gnocchi or gnocchi? Gnocchi. Sure. <laughs> I would take that on backpacking trips as well because it's vacuum sealed and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like I, I, recarbo loading halfway through like a 50 mile hike. It's great. I, I'm not an avid backpacker, so I don't have a lot of knowledge, but I do remember in one of our, uh, I guess they were high school, like late, like, yeah, I guess because I, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was like 17. We just got our licenses and everything, and we were doing like five day hiking trips, and my girlfriend at the time was going to join us, and she was like, What should I pack? And I was like, I don't know, you can back, pack some cans of soup. And everyone, when they heard my recommendation, were like, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, those are the heaviest things in the world, dude. And it was just, we ended up just packing ramen and, you know, like those dry, freeze-dried bags of uh, whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm, Idiot Me was recommending canned goods to bring on a stupid trip. And they're so heavy. It just, it's well, the so weight, much more weight. The weight is one issue. The other issue is that you have to carry the can out. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the point is like, you have a trash bag. It's just, you only want the lightest things possible, like paper in there or something. Oh man. Yeah. I, Preferably I, things I you can to... burn, you know, plastic, you can't, you would have to carry that out. But if, if you could bring something that's in plastic or something or in paper, you could, you could burn that. Right. You don't have to take it along. You ever, um, you ever been on a long hike before? Oh yeah. You used to do a lot of them in scouts. Um, I preferred the the kayaking trips actually because it's you know it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of the same thing like you're still going out you still have to bring your backpack you still have to you know pack lightly and uh, and consider all the same things that you would for a backpacking trip but you don't have to walk <laughs> you still have yeah. to use your arms and it's really tiring like I'd, I'd say it's actually probably more tiring but um, I yeah, always you found can it slack more off and make the other people in the canoe kind of do the work for yeah you. I mean when you wanted to you could just float and you'd still be moving not very fast but it's you'd a river still right? be moving yeah well we did we did some trips on lakes that would connect to rivers so there would be spots where like you know but even still it's a really pretty sight because when you're backpacking generally you're in the woods and there would be spots where you know you go to like an overlook or something you could see these great sights and everything but when you're on a lake everywhere around you is just it just looks amazing you know mm. Yeah, I love those trips. the The backpacking was fun. Uh, we did that pretty often, more than we did the kayaking. But I always preferred the kayaking trips. There are few things that I would walk away from my life for, and I think, I think, I don't know for sure, and I should probably do smaller ones beforehand. But I think walking the Pacific Crest Trail would be one of those things that I walked away from everything I'm doing in my life right now for. How long would you have to walk away? I think it's like a six month commitment. Wow. It's like, it's like the West coast version of the Appalachian trail, except minus the cornfield blues that you get. Is that I, we, my, my buddies and I had talked about doing the Appalachian for a long time. They're avid hikers. I am not an avid hiker. So obviously I think I'd have to ramp up to this. Um, but, uh, they, they talked about the AT for a while and they were like, I don't know. It just doesn't, like there's a portion of it where you're literally just walking through cornfields for like weeks or like mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks or something like that. And you just go crazy because you're just walking through the low, like the Southeastern United States and you know, all the, the mountains that you left behind in the Northeast are, are they're not there anymore. And, uh, I don't know that the PCT seemed like a, a much better option for a lot of them. So they were all trying to plan it. 
And this was in our early 20s. We were trying to plan this kind of thing. And it would be pushed off to from 2011 to 2014. And then 2014 became 2016 because one of the guys planning it, you know, took a job with the Appalachian Mountain Club or whatever. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just getting older. And it sucks because, like, you actually realize you're running out of time to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And... I don't, and it's something I really want to do badly is like to go on a really long trip. But part of me is understands that that's a very naive thought to have. And the fact, and I'd probably hate it after a month or whatever. So, you know, like the Colorado trail, I think is a little bit less grueling or like less intense or less of a commitment, but my friends have done that already, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it alone. In scouts, there's a, there's a camp I guess they call it a ranch. It's out in uh, New Mexico somewhere. It's called Philmont, and they had mm-hmm. these really, you know, this was like the thing that you did if you were if you were like really into scouting. You were like you, know, you considered yourself a, a pro scout at this point. Usually, you were uh, e- either either an Eagle Scout or reaching your Eagle Scout soon. Um, one of the big things that you might want to do through the scouting program is go to Philmont, and it'd be like a twelve day, so, you know, somewhere like a week, somewhere. Um, almost closer to two weeks and uh and it was really expensive to go out there but it was really cool and it was kind of like a work experience as well because you'd be you'd be hiking this really really long trail through this beautiful you know new mexico landscape but you'd also like stop in certain areas for maybe a day or two and either do trail maintenance or do some other kind of work on the ranch and it was, it sounded like a really cool experience. And I had a couple of friends that were able to do it, but I never got around to it. Yeah. It, it, the idea of a hike is just so, it's like everything I want in life, you know, it's just like, you're not generating a lot of waste. Hopefully if you're doing it right, um, you are, you have a destination every day is planned as best as you can, you know, you, and, and I, you, if, if you've learned anything about me, by listening to this or talking to me, Jacob, it's that I love following instructions <laughs> and I love following maps and I like being told what to do essentially, or, or not being told what to do, but just like knowing what, having very clear goals. And yeah, just like, you know, knowing that like you just, you're, you're just walking along this path and the scenery is going to change and you have to be at this peak over here by tomorrow or like, I don't know. It just, something very nice about it. And I think, it, again, I'm going to reiterate how naive that is a thought. And I recognize that's a naive thought. Um, but it's still, I mean, it's more about the camaraderie. Like I wouldn't do it alone. It's not something I want to do by myself. Yeah, it's not, I mean, that could be fine for somebody, but I wouldn't say it's like fun. Yeah. No, like my, my buddy, Joe, who's the, the guy with the AMC um, now, he, he's the one who like would lead these kind of hikes that we would do as kids. And, he would drag a lot of people into it. And I was pretty gung ho for a lot of it, but we'd always end up taking people that didn't want to go on the hikes that just kind of wanted to be there for the camaraderie. Like Patrick, my friend, Patrick, like the, the thing, like the joke that came out of this one hiking trip was that he, he got up on a rock about like, it was a five day hike, I think. And day like two, he got up on a rock and was just like, it was just, it happened. It was like his little pulpit. He was just kind of like, he was like this, this, all right, listen to me. I think we should get the car, get someone's dad to drive the car to this trailhead over here, and we can pick it up. We can drive to Vermont and go hang out at Chuck's cabin in the woods instead of doing this shit. <laughs> and he actually convinced everybody to 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 bail on the hiking trip. And 
from now on like whenever he, he's always the guy that's like kind of contrarian when we're making plans or whatever and if he ever says something he'll stand up on something i'll be like oh pat's up on the rock again guys you know like that's his thing and that's fully just like it, it was that's what i ended up on with that hike is just being around people that didn't actually want to go hiking and realizing it two days in and that they couldn't do it it's it's a weird thing but like i mean think about not having a phone for you know six months or whatever or yeah well, I mean, keeping your phone in a you keep your phone in a plastic bag and you turn it on when you need it and then charge right. it when you get whenever you get because like, there there are these nights my friends when they did the Colorado Trail, um, they would essentially they they'd hit the town like after a week or something they'd come into a town and be like okay guys we're getting like a hotel room but not like a hotel hotel like a like a you know sh- like a like a shanty or whatever you call those things like just something more rustic than like a Motel Six or whatever. <laughs> And they'd go to the local bar and get trashed or whatever on their hike and <laughs> eat at a restaurant or something like that. It's it just essentially a refueling yeah, stop yeah. that wasn't in the woods. And yeah, just, I don't know. It just, that's what it, like to be with like two or three other dudes or ladies, it doesn't really matter if they're gung-ho about it. Um, they just want to be there and want to travel mm-hmm. and don't need to talk all day to each other and kind of just be in their own head and don't get crazy. But that's the thing is that having the option to talk to people on the hike is crucial. I remember Joe, um, who I referenced before, he, after high school, he graduated high school and was, I think he was going to go on a month solo in the woods. And I forget how long it actually was. I think it was at least 30 days that he just wanted to do this thing. And he was, he's an avid hiker. He was the guy who planned all the trips. So this is nothing crazy for him to do that. It's obviously dangerous, but he had the precautions. I think he had a sat phone and everything so he Mm. could deal with it. Um, And I think like, a week or two into it, he had, we had to send our buddy Tori, uh, toward for short, for short. Um, we had to send him out, um, or somebody, he just went out and met Joe to do the rest of the hike with him. Mm. Because I think if you're on a solo hike and it starts raining and it doesn't let up, you know, like your brain just melts with, Oh with, yeah. Cause like, it's, the mud it's around so you. like you, you just feel like, so I, I don't think trapped is the right word, but I mean, you're miserable. Like yeah. you're just, you're wet. Like, Mm -hmm. this isn't what you, it's not what you signed up for. It's not like the picture in your head when you think I'm going to go for a long walk, you know? Yeah. Like the highs of a hike like that are so high, like standing on a peak and having like, or if the sun's beating on your face and you're, you're listening to the birds chirping and you're just in a good spot, you know, but the lows are are so unbelievably low on a hike like that. And it's not like you can just stop. Like if it, if it's raining, you can't just stop. You have to keep miles from anything. Yeah. You're 20 miles from the nearest other human being at points, you know, like it's just, it's crazy. Ah, man. And so I can totally see like, I, why, that's why I know that I could, like maybe I could do it if you put a gun in my head, but, but it's not something I'd actually enjoy doing it by myself. Like, I think, I think I'd probably want to start off with like a week hike or something like that, or maybe like a weekend with him or something or with a bunch of people up in the, in, in, in like New Hampshire or something like that. It would, it'd be nice. Mm-hmm. No, That's it's, it's nice to, to be able to stay somewhere and then hike somewhere and come back. Like, I, I like yeah, that. Like, I like having the finality and, you know, having a place where I can dry my boots because when you're just out for several days, either on the water or in the woods, if it rains at any point or, you know, you, your feet sweat, like your boots are now wet and it yeah. takes a lot for, for them to dry. It's kind of hard. To... It's, even the most subtle things though, like there was one thing, one thing Joe was telling me, he's just like, 
Yeah, so, like, let's say you buy hiking shorts or whatever, Mm -hmm. and those shorts are just, like, the littlest bit over your knee or something like that. So every step that you take on an uphill, the top of your shorts rubs against the top of your knee. You're going to start noticing that after, you know, like, eight miles, you know, into your first or second day or whatever. You know, you're going to start noticing that and being like, I have 28 more days of that short rubbing against my knee. You know, it's like you could cut it, but then you're starting to, then you start to degrade the the fabric and it's going to come apart in other ways. You know, like, it's like that episode of The Office when Michael goes in the woods and he's like, I can make a hat out of my pants. (laughs) Again, not an office washer, but, um, but yeah, it's just the simplest things. Like, and also this, you know, like, what if you get injured? Like if I, let's say I geared up for a six month hike, you know, and I did a bunch of small hikes ahead of time, but like, that's something I deal with when I'm running, you know, if I'm training for a half marathon, which I haven't done in a long time, um, you know, I, I routinely will run nine or 10 miles in one run or whatever. Um, but like, let's say I'm trying to up the ante or something like that. And I up it too hard, too fast. Mm. It's, and I, and I, and I damage something in my leg or if I like mess up my ankle, then I'm out for, you know, like a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so if you, like, if you're in week three of a six-month hike and you mess up your ankle, it's like, oh, shit, I just planned for six months. I bought, I spent, like, five grand on supplies and, like, sent packages to all these outposts that I'm going to have to hit along the way that I'm going to open when I get there for supplies. Um, you know, I made reservations at all these tent sites up for, for the entire six months. You know, it's like imagine three weeks in and getting that it's like a marathon runner jump like dropping out like i have a friend who runs marathons and he if, if he's not feeling it after you know like six or seven miles or if he's not going to make his time they'll just bail mm. you know and imagine like the entry fee alone is enough to make me want to like just st- like stick it out but like, yeah i mean like if you're not going to get what you want to get out of this thing there's no point in doing it so it's best to just you know like i don't know what the phrase is but it's best to just call it like sour grapes or whatever maybe it's not not exactly sour grapes but just you know call it while you can before something worse happens yeah because it can always get worse that's interesting and we go to a family vacation in missouri every year and there's a it's actually kind of a a hot spot for like cross-country bikers so we've met a couple over the years and what they do is just it just blows my mind because they go so far you know like you can you can cover so much more ground in the same amount of time that you would spend on a long hike like that. Like in a month, you could go over several states, you know, like, and when you talk to them, they're like, they're telling you where they're from, where they're headed, but even just the logistics and the scale of what they plan to do the next day is crazy. Like, yeah, I'm just, you know, stopping here and they're eating in an ice cream cone outside of the ice cream stand where you are and you're just chatting with them. And, uh, and after that, they're going to ride over to where they, they set up camp for the night. They're going to sleep. They're going to wake up. And then they're going to make it through the rest of the state by the end of the night. And they, they hope to, to bed down in Indiana or, or wherever, you know, it is that they're, they're looking to go. And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's wild. I couldn't imagine. I don't have that kind of, I don't have that kind of uh, discipline. I mean, I could probably go as long as I have uh, episodes of, uh, of, uh, podcast to binge or maybe i could go as 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 many hours as it takes to get through the uh harry potter audiobooks but well you can't what do you do because you can't your battery will run out pretty quickly Uh, well yeah i mean i probably honestly i'd probably hook up some like solar pads to my shoulders i guess (laughs) a solar a solar battery charger that must exist yeah they do actually there are some kids that in like the the local scouting area that hooked up stuff like that they would they'd basically be like solar pads that um had velcro 
on the back and then another Velcro patch on your shoulder. And that way you could put mm-hmm. it there and there'd be different Velcro patches like on bag on your bag or, you know, wherever. So you could put it in the, um, in the best spot for wherever the light was, the direction that you're nice. facing. So. so you can get like five Watts out of that thing. Uh, I mean, if you, you know, you can get enough, like you can, you can store some up and, and the, and the thing about when you're biking, you're sticking to roads. So when you're, sticking to the roads you're going through towns in general you, you know some people stay in hotels some people will camp um but you're going to be near somewhere where if you need to you could you know charge up on your lunch break or something people will stop and they'll eat their lunch while they're in town and a lot of these people aren't they're not packing lunches with them they're not bringing their food for their biking trips because that's a lot of weight you don't want to carry that what you're carrying is the stuff that you need to to get by day-to-day changes of clothes and all that stuff so um, they'll stop at a diner or something to eat and they'll charge you while they're there. So they have stuff with them. I would do that over a long hike, I think, but yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I, it's important to not delude yourself about the long hikes yeah. and like, that's a, that's you can fantasize crazy. about it all you want, but just keep in mind of how terrible it actually will be. At I mean, the lowest points. I, I, like I said, I would love to just end up in a cabin in the woods someday when I retire, but I, I don't want to walk. Like I want a cabin to sit in. <laughs> Maybe a lake that <laughs> you, I can sit on. You take, it's like your home base, you know. You just you yeah. you go out and then you and then you come back. Exactly. Know? There's lots of hikes. I like day trips. You know, we I went on like a friend's birthday party back in September. I think when we launched this thing, and there was this like it was I forget what mountain it was near Hunter. I think mm-hmm. up in up upstate New York. I don't know. I might be making that up. But Hunter, I'll just say Hunter Mountain was nearby to this this cabin that we all rented. It was like a, less of a cabin, more of like a large house that was falling apart. And uh, we it slept like twenty five people, and twenty five people were there. And there were there were all these hikes around, like little little trails you could do. But like the actually you know, like the big boy trails, those were like at Hunter and nobody really had it in them to do that. No one was really like, oh yeah, let's wake up at seven a.m. and do it this day. Like it was it was definitely like a, it was, it was more like a hang out and drink beer weekend for a lot of people. And I was sick too. So that also sucked. Um, and Erin, Erin just, you know, she, she doesn't have it in her. I don't think to hike a crazy trail like that. So, and, and I didn't want to do it alone. So, but that's the thing is like, you need a buddy on those kind of things. You definitely need a buddy. Yeah. I, and it's kind of a, it's a cool thing to do. Like my, my uncle and, uh, his son, my cousin, um, they did a thing, for like a, a couple of consecutive weekends over a few months where there's, there's this really nice trail near Bentonville, Arkansas, where they live. And, uh, it's a really long trail, but, um, obviously they didn't have the time or, uh, means to do it all in one go. So they would just go on the weekends and they would take two cars and they would, you know, drop one car off here and then drive up to the point where they finished last. And then they would just do sections of it. So they walked the whole thing over the course of, you know, probably like six six or seven weeks. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. You can still do the whole trail, but it's something you can do in smaller batches and still enjoyable and actually probably, you know, probably better because you can, <laughs> you can break up your, your tough weeks with school and work and stuff with, uh, with a nice hike. There's like Mount Washington also up in, uh, up in New Hampshire, which is like, it's, it's a thing you can do. It's a, it's a day hike, you know, it's not bad. It can be part of a longer hike through the presidential range, but you can do it in a day if you drive up there or whatever and get there early enough. But you can also just drive your car to the top of the mountain too. It's one of those. It's like the highest mountain in the Northeast, Yeah. but it also has a trail to the top that you, that people drive up, you know, it's, it's, 
<laughs> the stupidest shit in the world. Like you'll you just see like bus loads of kids unloading at the top as you get there. Like you spent all day going up the steep side of the mountain yeah. or whatever, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> Last time I did that, I did that with Tori, the, the buddy I mentioned earlier. Um, we got up in the morning, rode up with a bunch of people we didn't really know that well, and got there, and we stuck with the, the people we didn't know that well, the group of like five or six or seven people for the first half of the hike, and then Tor and I were kind of like more advanced than these folks, or like we, we were li- not more advanced, uh, we, were, we were just like at, at probably like more able-bodied and, and a little bit faster, mm-hmm. um, and less wanting to take in the sights of the trail and more eager to get to the peak, and... We got to the peak, we hung out there for a little bit, waited to the people that we were with that came up like an hour later, and then we went down the mountain the way we came back, the way that we came up. And for some reason, we just got it into us, which is a dumb, just a, just a shit idea on our parts, but just to like run down the mountain and... It's just me and him, because I think we really wanted to get down before the sunset, because we'd gotten sort of a late start, and we're just barreling down this trail. It's like, there's nobody else in sight, because most people have either finished for the day or going to be like taking a car or bus down from the top or whatever, and we're just like hoofing it down this trail, you know, letting momentum carry us, and I'm worried I'm going to snag my foot in a root or something <laughs> like that, and we neither of us do. We make it, but we get to the bottom of the mountain, and we made it down. We had to have made it down like less than two hours. I don't know what a fast time is, but it was it was a relatively quick time, a lot faster than it took us to climb up, and uh, and we get to the bottom, we're just like, shit, everyone's still at the top, huh? And he and Tor's like, yeah, and, and I just look at him like, and they're definitely not going to run down the mountain, huh? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and we just sat in a parking lot for probably another two and a half, three hours. Just him and me just shooting the shit in a parking lot, walking around, just to, also just being like, oh, maybe we should try and like hitchhike home. And I was like, oh shit, my keys are locked in the car that we came up with. God damn it. <laughs> or something like that, you know, like, so it couldn't necessarily hitchhike home or like hitch a ride with anybody else in the parking lot that was leaving. And we waited till like way after sundown when the rest of the group finally came down. Mm-hmm. It was real dumb. It was yeah. real dumb. You know, I did that kind of shit as a kid all the time. I was always rushing to like be first anywhere or like, you know, race to the end of the trail. I did that all the time, whether it be in scouts or with my family. And that's a lesson that I learned more times than I, I probably should have. Like I'm, once you get to the end, you're still going to have to wait. Like <laughs> you have no yeah. power over the, the situation apart from how fast you get from point A to B, like from point c to d like you still have to rely on somebody else all the time yeah it's really funny i I forget exactly why we were rushing down the mountain it must have been to get to like a party or like hang out with friends that evening but it it made me think of another time like the one of the earlier hikes the ones where the like the mutiny had happened essentially Mm. (laughs) and uh and thinking about how ben of venetia fair him and his brother were on that hike or this is one of those type of hikes and they were one of those people that were at the front of the group because they just wanted to be done with. Neither of them really wanted to be on the hike at all. And neither of them were especially like built for hiking or really into it. Um, but they were just leading the pack and they would just go so far ahead and just then just wait for us to catch up and then just hike really far ahead again as if it was going to get them home sooner or something like that or as if it would motivate us to walk faster or hike faster and it just didn't work mm-hmm. like it was it was just them waiting and eventually i think they stopped but like they were just so eager to get out of there because you know they'd just done it for the camaraderie again just yeah. coming back to that like the idea of it is so much better than actually doing it well i don't know there's something fun like i i think I think part of the fun of that is you never know what you're going to get into. And when you get into something that's like crazy or unexpected, that's like 
that's the fun part. That's where the camaraderie comes in. It's not that you all necessarily hike the same trail from point A to point B like it was planned, but because that rainstorm came in or because, you know, Tim left his backpack four miles back and you, you had to go back and get it. Like that kind of stuff. That's, that's the kind of stuff that makes a trip memorable. It's not just a hike through the woods. It's like all this weird stuff that happened in between. Yeah, it is. It, it just, the stuff that happens in between can be so bad. <laughs> yeah, it definitely can. Like on our kayaking trip, we did a 50 miler. I think it was in Pennsylvania. Um, beautiful trip. One of my all time favorites. Um, and on that one, there wasn't like, there wasn't really a whole lot of issues for maybe like the first half, but the second half, uh, it's where we got off the lakes and we got into the rivers and that's when everybody, I think we, over the course of that trip, me and my buddy, Tim were the only ones who didn't flip our boat out of fun. Like were people flipping no, their no, boats because they were of not, incompetence no, no, or no, no, not out of fun. Like there were a couple sections where, um, you know, there had been rains like, a week or two prior to us being there and those rains oh. piled up some trees in some weird spots. And then that made it hard for people to get through. We were in a kayak. Actually, everybody else was in a canoe, which definitely makes it a lot harder. They're harder to move. Like they're just not as maneuverable. And, um, yeah, we got through fine, but I can't tell you how many times we, you know, we got through a section and then just immediately pulled off knowing full well that there's going to be at least one casualty here. And I'm going to have to go, you know, swimming after people's gear. And I did like, I was swimming after backpacks <laughs> the entire trip. And it sucked. Cause like once you, you know, everybody's packed their stuff in plastic bags within their pack, but there's those couple things where you didn't and you know, your boots are getting wet and like everything you own is now soggy and that sucks. Like, yeah your food oh gets God, wet like nothing worse ugh. than being wet and cold no i pack Terrible. any trip that i'm on i count the number of days that i'm going multiply that by two and that's the number of socks that i bring like always 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 have dry socks it's the number one most important thing and it's just it that was it, that trip was probably my all-time favorite in scouts and that was probably the least favorite trip for probably like four or five guys in the group for that reason. Cause some of them don't, you know, they went over like twice and they even like switch boats and you have to unswamp the canoe too. Yeah. Yeah. It's still in the water. And they, do you have to do that in the water? No, no, no. You, uh, you, you go to shore, take it out and then you, uh, you dump it out. It's, I mean, you can do it in the water. We used to practice it actually. We did it on that trip. Yeah. That's it. That's one thing we learned at sleepaway camp. Yeah. We, it was like part of the, part of the canoeing class was learning how to unswamp a canoe while treading water. It's hard. It's extremely, especially if not, if everybody in the group is not up to snuff with treading water or whatever, like yeah. it's near impossible yeah. if everybody can't lift their own weight. And I was one of the older guys at that point, you know, I was probably like 16 or 17. So we've got a lot of younger kids and they probably didn't pack very well to begin with. So, you know, there's mm. that and they're not very experienced in the boats, like experienced enough to go, but, um, not necessarily for the stuff that we ran into and then, you know, they can swim, but they, they're not going to be able to swim after their stuff and they're definitely not going to be able to, you know, do as much hauling a, a boat full of water over to, to shore like that's really hard so that was a tough trip but it's kind of fun i ended up actually going home with more the more than i came with because what? in one of those tricky spots um i found a raft 
like somebody's somebody had a raft it wasn't like a like a rental raft either like somebody like had a floaty a, raft yeah like it was like a full raft and it, it was it was stuck and I, I think somebody like lost it there and then decided that they they weren't going to go back through the rapids to get it but i had no problem doing that <laughs> i just i swam <laughs> up there and it was really easy like i feel bad because they probably thought oh man it's like really tangled up there's no way we're going to get it but it was like there was one cord that was wrapped around. It wasn't knotted on anything. It wasn't tied. It was just wrapped around once. And all I had to do is flip it over and I just floated it out and uh, brought it home. I think there's a no leak in it. No one was coming back but, for it? Oh, no. Like we didn't see anybody that whole trip. And like we went down the river. Like if I would have seen whoever it belonged to and they would have said, hey, do you happen to see a raft back there? Like I would have given it to them. It's their raft. But I yeah. saw nobody. So, you know, I just took it. It's not like whoever lost it is coming back from behind us so that's the thing is like talking about you giving back the raft there's like i feel like you'll never find anybody nicer than hikers <laughs> yeah. I, and maybe you have contrary well, what are you gonna do you're gonna be a dick like what? Well, that's what i mean it's like I, like there's no you're all in the same situation you're all either on a really long hike like through hikers you know they're depending on what part of the hike they're on, if they're at the tail end of their hike, I, I expect their minds to be numb. But, uh, but generally hiking has been like one of the few times where I can, like, I, you know, I live in New York city now and you, you make eye contact in the street that's construed as aggressive, you know, like, and, you know, let alone saying hi to everybody. Like, like people look at me weird when I'm walking the dog and I say hi to people with dogs. If I say hi to another dog owner, you know, as we're walking down the street, it's, it's weird for them to, for them. And in general, it's not a common practice here. So like on a, on a trip, on a hiking trip, yeah, like it's just saying hi to everybody you meet, asking them how it's been. I mean, obviously you need to get a, it's for safety too, to like know what's up ahead. If there's like, oh yeah, there's like a down tree over there. You're going to have to find a way around that thing or just, you know, yeah, there's always a river crossing up ahead or something, and it's flooded or something. It's just stuff that you would encounter on a trail. Yeah. But yeah, the hikers are so nice. Generally, I think that's true. I don't know. Well, I also did a lot of backpacking and, uh, and hiking on uh, like summer camps and stuff, and our summer camp was a pretty big po- property. So, you know, it was, you could do like an all-day hike just on, on the property itself, which was nice. Um, but sometimes you'd run into like some other scouts that were just being punks out there, and they weren't particularly nice but i think on like most public kids land, are different yeah kids are different i mean generally you don't see kids on a trail unless they're with their family and they're probably being obnoxious at that point too unless their parents have trained them well there, there were a couple times in scouts where we'd be like in another state and we'd be at like a state park or something doing a, a, a like maybe like a two-day hike and we'd see like a couple of kids that were probably you know high school age and they're out on their own just because they could you know probably just right. got their licenses and they thought oh we're gonna, we're yeah, gonna go like, out and camp yeah yeah. I'm sure my group of friends was, was, was terrible when we would go out there. Like there's a, there's a picture I have framed somewhere in this apartment right now. I don't know. Or maybe it was back at my mom's place. Um, that's just us, like all, like a group of probably seven or eight high school friends standing by, I think Lake of the Clouds uh, up in New Hampshire. And it just, just hanging out there, beautiful, bright blue skies, about eight, eight of us looking like we're having a good time. Some people are looking more miserable than others. <laughs> um, but it, like, I'm sure we were annoying as hell with that campsite. Yeah. You know? And even on the smaller hikes, like I remember like a couple of the dudes that we were hiking with, um, you know, you know, bear bags are important, right? Depends on where you are. 
I guess. Yeah. In, in the Northeast, they are important, I feel like. Um, but yeah, like we, we have bears up in, in New Hampshire and it was a very important thing, like to get a bear bag up in a tree in the nighttime and get all your food away or lock it up in the thing. If, if it was available, if you had the bear box. Um, but you know, there was this one night when, and, and I was sober at the time, so I didn't really have a problem with this kind of thing, but three of the guys in the group would just like get stoned or something like that, like after dinner or something just to relax in the evening, which is a totally normal thing to do, I think for a lot of hikers. But like, we were also like 19, 20, 21, whatever age that, you know, we were at the time around there and just idiots, like idiot kids. And so me and the other sober guy in the group had to watch as everybody just, just, just gave up on doing the bear bag. Mm. And we're like, and we're just sitting there being like, oh, fuck, I hope, I hope that this doesn't go wrong for us. Yeah. Cause I mean, some people might think, well, my stuff's up there. It's okay. If there's a bear coming, like it sucks for them, but it's, yeah. it's actually the, the issue is not your stuff in the bag. It's bringing yeah, it's, the bear around you. Yeah. And if you're sleeping in the same campsite as these folks, it's uh, not a, not good. Right. And so I imagine we were really annoying for anybody at that site that was there. Although it was pretty desolate that whole trip. I don't think we ran into a lot of people. Yeah. It was, it was, the weather was pretty terrible. And um, but, yeah. I had to do so much prep work for the younger scouts. And, you know, I, I, I hated to do it. And I, and I always made them do it first. And then if they did it wrong... Sometimes I'd go back around and if they're there, I'd tell them that they need to, to come learn, you know, try, try mm-hmm. to make it a teaching moment. But there are several instances where it's like, okay, so there is a storm coming in. I am the only one at camp. We have, uh, you know, these like platform tents. They're basically just, you know, your, your canvas pump tent, pup tents that you'd see in like, you know, moonrise kingdom or something, lots of flaps and you got to tie down the edges mm-hmm. and stuff. And I always, you know, first day of camp i'm making sure that i set that tent up the way that i want to because those tents initially get set up by other scouts who come for their like oa events um a couple weeks prior and it's like their service project but they're trying to get the whole camp done so they can go to lunch i'm going to make sure that mine's right so if it does storm this week my stuff doesn't get screwed and so i see a storm's coming and then the next hour of my life is tying down every tent in that campsite the correct way <laughs> so that I don't have to hear from all these younger scouts complaining for the rest of the week that, you know, their towel blew out of their tent and landed in a puddle and you know, all this junk. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It, so you just took care of them. Yeah. You just got to like, you, you try to teach them as much as you can. And, and in some cases, you know, it'll take, but in a lot of cases, they, especially the younger scouts who are coming in and it's not necessarily, um, something that they wanted to do. You know, sometimes kids get put into scouts because uh, it's what their parents want to do, or it's because they were given a couple options and this seemed like the lesser of uh, a few other evils for activities. Um, but a lot of them see, especially summer camp is kind of like an extension of school. Like it's a, it's at a time where you can get away from your parents and it's fun. There's a lot of cool activities and, you know, f- fires and, and, uh, and camp food. And it's just, it's a week away. Like it's, it's something different and you don't have that much supervision. So you're able to kind of get away with a bit, but at the same time, there are merit badge classes you're required to go to. And then there's other stuff that you're expected to do, like responsibilities that are divided amongst all the boys in the camp. And, um, you know, in that way, I think a lot of younger kids just kind of thought of it like, Oh, it's like summer school outside. So, but, Hmm. And, you know, when it came to to things like setting up 
camp. Like it's a, it's a place where you are camping with a bunch of other people. We're all living in the same space. So you need to make sure that your stuff is right. Or if we're in a cabin camping situation where, you know, it's January, we're all staying in a cabin. Um, you got to learn, like if it's your turn to, to put logs in the fire and you don't, and the fire goes out, everybody's cold. Like you got to take turns. You got to make sure that you keep your stuff out of other people's zones. Like you're teaching them not only like survival lessons and sort of a, uh, a different situation than what they're used to at home. Like a lot of people aren't going to have to deal with throwing logs in the fire when they get back to, you know, Northeastern Ohio. But, um, you know, just, just being around other people and helping out and doing your part is a, is a lesson that a lot of people I feel should pick up from scouts. If, if nothing else, just kind of learning to be a, a, a team player and to, to learn and use what you learn to help other people like service, you know, service and, and camaraderie. That's kind of what the whole program was about, at least for me. And that's why I try to teach some kids. But in some cases, if you want something done, right, <laughs> just got to get it done yourself. And, and that's, yeah. Like I mean, there's some that would just want to let those kids have wet towels and everything like that and lose their yeah. stuff. And we definitely, we had, we had a lot of scout masters that are like that. I think a lot of troops don't. And, um, and our, our troop was a little bit different because it was a very boy-led troop. Like, you're going to have to, you know, make your own decisions and, and, and live with those consequences. But, you know, if it came down to it, like, you didn't want the kid to have a bad time. Because if if, if a situation was going to arise where they're going to do something or not do something that's going to affect the rest of their trip and it's going to make them miserable and it might lead to them wanting to go home. Like, you don't want the boys to have to go home early because that's it's not fun for you as a scoutmaster or an older scout. It's not fun for the parents who have to drive all the way out there to get their kid. It's not fun for the kid because the kid's going to be embarrassed that he left. You know, it's, it's just not a good time. So, you know, the scoutmasters would pitch in, like, I don't know if I've told the story on, on this podcast before, but I, I had a, I had a incident one year where I got very sick <laughs> in the middle of the night and, uh, the scoutmasters had to get out of bed and, and help me with that. That's probably a story for another day, but, um, <laughs> You know, you just... I'm very intrigued by that. <laughs> it's disgusting. Like, I don't think we have Filing enough time. That one it's, away. it's a good one. No. It's a good one. Okay. Uh, you know, you just gotta... You gotta, you gotta help out. Like, and it is the same thing on that con- kayaking trip. It's the same thing on backpacking trips. You're gonna have kids that are just not prepared. They're not, you know, they're not lacing up their shoes, and they don't understand why that's a problem when you're hiking for a really long time. They don't understand that the difference between running around the playground and hiking for 20 miles and the support that your ankles need to do that like they don't get that they don't understand that once you've walked on your laces for so long even if you wanted to tie it there's nothing you can do because those laces are now destroyed um they don't understand that at the end of the night you don't want to put your wet shoes in the tent with you you don't want to bring in that moisture because when it gets cold it's going to make it worse they don't understand that when you're around a fire you should you know you shouldn't just put your the soles of your feet up on you know the the rocks surrounding your your little campfire but you should take them off and you should prop them up so the insides dry out like there's so many different things that some kids are able to pick on very pick up on very quickly you know zip up your coat when you're camping in the winter like retain that heat like some kids just don't get it and as many times as you tell them they're not going to remember and you're going to have to tell them again otherwise you're going to run into situations where you're in the middle of the woods where there is there's no other option for these kids you're you're in the woods. You, you're going to have to hike out either the way you came or with the rest of us going this direction. And at this point, yeah. it's the same distance both ways. 
and there's there's nothing else you can do. You're gonna have to deal with it. So you try to you know do what you can and and point them in the right direction when need be. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a saying. I forget who said it, but it's like a person won't change their behavior and modify their behavior unless it's shown to be in their best interests. Yeah, yeah. And and like part of that is tough love. You know, part of that could be tough love, where they have to learn what it's like to be cold and you know to get like athlete's foot or to have sore ankles or blisters or whatever Mm -hmm. those kind of things are but also it's like it depends on how much they respect you too because like if you (laughs) you can tell somebody about blisters and some and some kids may be inclined to believe you you know i was definitely a petulant idiot kid at a lot of points to my dad when he would tell me what was best for me and if it if it if I mean in some cases I was right and it you know he was just making stuff up and trying to scare me or whatever and in a lot of cases he was he was totally right and the things that I wanted to do were the dumbest things in the world like wearing jeans while snowboarding you know like <laughs> he he put his foot down hard on that one and I'm very glad he did <laughs> man that's that's a bad scene you don't want wet jeans. Well, right, but like uh, me not me being you know ten thinking I know everything mm-hmm. <laughs> it's stupid, um, yeah. but yeah, but I mean that's the thing is that he did I didn't get the chance to ha- learn the hard way on that one because he didn't put he, he he would not let me go to the mountain with jeans on which was a great call, <laughs> um, but there's some kids that just won't listen and some kids that will I guess yeah. and it's it's well respect is an interesting thing like I, i'm glad you say that because you know thinking back now like I, I definitely took a more proactive role with the younger boys than some of the other kids my age did and i think it's because a lot of the other kids my age weren't necessarily there to necessarily to pick up on skills or or to work towards any specific goal like they weren't eagle-minded they weren't there um they weren't in the program hoping that they could you know receive some sort of accolade that they could use in the future they were there for fun and you know the camping and the building fires and the 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 wood carving and using sharp tools like that was what they were there for that and the lack of supervision um but they they weren't really and i'm not saying that the those guys were you know slackers you know they they would help out they did their part like they definitely learned things that i'm sure that they were able to use later but with the younger kids they weren't as patient usually and I think in any any Boy Scout troop, I was going to say healthy Boy Scout troop, but I don't know if that's always true because some people go too far. There's a good bit of hazing that goes on that I think people can learn from. You know, hmm. like I'm not saying like some people think that hazing is a tradition that needs to occur, like whether it be in in college with fraternities or uh, sports like there's all kinds of hazing that goes on that definitely goes too far. But I think there's something to like letting somebody know that they're where their place is. This is something that, you know, even happens in the military. Like you have rank, you pull rank. And I think maybe rank is the better way to look at this is saying, look, I'm, I'm higher ranked than you. I, I have seniority and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do everything that I say, but you probably should. And I don't know. I think a lot of the older scouts my age were, uh, they leaned on that pretty heavy. <laughs> like rank. what yeah, rank and just like, you know, being mean, like hazing, not including kids. And, 
And I was one of the young, younger kids and we all were, and we had older scouts that hazed us like that. And it made us tougher. And it was, you know, like one or two of us would be the ones that like were able to break out of that by making one of the older kids laugh or, you know, going along with what they said to a certain point and like showing them like, Hey, look, we're cool. And maybe that's not totally healthy, but I think it helped me socialize a lot more and become a lot more confident in myself because there wasn't really like a whole lot else that I was doing that was making me feel particularly confident. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I guess other than my grades, but I never really like put much stock into that. Not as much as my parents did. Um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of important, but with the younger kids, like when I was older, I was thinking, okay, like I don't want to be mean to these kids all the time. Sometimes I think it's, it's okay. You got to give them a hard time <laughs> and that's important. Yeah. But there are moments when like, they could learn something here and they're paying attention because they respect you like, or they want you to respect them. And I feel like you have to show them that sometimes. And I think I proved during my time in scouts that I, I was able to recognize those moments and act on them because when we, when the older scouts came around to like our Eagle projects, we're like, you know, 16 to 18 years old, we have Eagle projects and we need people to come help. You know, we have our family and maybe one or two of our school friends might come out, but that was pretty rare. Most of the time it was like getting volunteers from the scout troop. It's not a regular meeting night. It's not a scheduled camp out weekend. It's not anything that anybody is required to go to, to be a member of the troop. It's a volunteer basis thing. And it was, you know, it was my project that I, I saw more people come help with than the other scouts who weren't necessarily as nice. <laughs> like it pays to be nice. And if you help some people out, they might help you out down the line. And that was kind of an interesting that I learned at the very tail end of my scouting career because I got my Eagle down to the wire because the scope of my project was so large, but, um, yeah, there's, a, there's another saying that I was given. It was told to me for a while. It was, it was to be good. You must be difficult. I, I just tried Googling it and I could not come up with anything. <laughs> it, so I don't know if it's actually a saying or just the person who is saying it. To was, be good, you must be difficult. Yeah. And meaning like what you're saying is like, it's sort of like the, the rank thing. I think it's like the, it's, it, that's the, the, the thin, the dotted line that you kind of tow between hazing and pulling rank. It's tough like love. Being, Right. And I think that's essentially it. Yeah. It's like, it's tough love, but tough love can, can veer into like abuse pretty quickly. Um, but like being difficult, you know, like challenging someone else, I think challenging someone to be better. I think it leaves that more open. Yeah. Than like letting someone drown. Yeah. So like giving be, them the challenge. Be, like you, you are a good teacher if you're a little bit difficult is yeah. essentially what it's saying, but like difficult in a way that's probably, that is non-abusive. Right. Not, not, not even necessarily that you are the one you know, creating the challenge or that you're going to make the challenge more difficult. It's that you're just saying, look, I'm not helping you with this. Like you've got to figure this out for yourself. If you want to do it, you can do it. And if you want help, you can ask for help, but I'm not going to do this for you. And I'm not, I'm Mm. not going to help you of my own free will because this is something I think you can figure out. I think there are a lot of, of cases like that where, you know, kids just gave up. They gave up so early. They give up so quick. They're like, Oh, I can't, I can't tie this knot. Like adults do that too, though. Yeah, like, honestly. Yeah, but it's it's breaking them past that. And with scouts, it was always you know it, you were well, building language, towards things. Breaking, you know, like that's part of like the verbiage that we use to describe these kind of things. It's like 
it's tough because it's got to change, you know, like, mm. like we're not breaking people. We're, we're kind of making them stronger in a sense. And I don't like in the corporate atmospheres I've worked in, like the, the overly corporate, like the very like strict HR mm-hmm. teams or whatever, you know, the hazing thing is like that, that pulling rank that you're describing that, that, that is defined as hazing, you know, like yeah. this chain of command, obviously it's one thing, um, where you have to report to whatever, but obviously there's ways around it. If you feel one chain of is not working appropriately, you can, you can report to HR or whatever. But the thing, like, even like they have a, a little quiz, you know, in a lot of HR communities being like, okay, so what is hazing here? Can you point out the examples? One of the examples of hazing is like calling someone a newbie. You know, mm. like being like, hey, hey, what up, newbie? Or like, you know, that that's a, that's considered <laughs> hazing. So that that's an HR offense, essentially, in a lot of these corporate atmospheres. Yeah, but you know what? So it like, made Zach Braff a better doctor. Right. I mean, Dr. Cox is an HR nightmare. <laughs> I, think, I think he knew that. Yeah, I think, but like, you know, I, like, how many Dr. Coxes have you had in your life? I've had, I've had several. And they're the people plenty, that I look yeah. back on and like, I think made the most memorable impact on the way that I, I look at the world and how I get things done. Like I, the things that I, I learn, just, I generally learn from, from those tougher folks. I, I guess, I mean, I learned a lot. I, I don't think any, I think Dr. Cox as multidimensional, he was as a character on scrubs. Great character. I don't think that I think I mean, here's the thing as I'm sure that they based like John C. McGinley's character on like a real person. That's like somebody, one of the consults or something had, and I'm sure there's many doctors like Dr. Cox, but there's never been anybody that, that pointed or flat Hmm. that, 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 that pointed in my life, you know, that out there. And, you know, I've had a lot of tough love in my life, um, but never to like the abusive degree that Dr. Cox was Hmm. in terms of like putting you down or whatever. And the teachers that stick out most in my mind, there's like a lot of them, taught tough lessons but they taught it with just this overwhelming kindness you know mm-hmm. uh i think like a seventh grade teacher or whatever or who you know i remember him lecturing the whole class and yelling at us one day talking about how life was tough or something like that and then i remember the last day of school he passed out this uh card i think it was eleanor roosevelt and uh, she who said uh, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent which is like one of my favorite all-time sayings mm-hmm. <laughs> no one can make you feel Fear without your consent. Um, yeah, Eleanor Roosevelt. It's usually wait. Is it, it says usually credited with Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh oh, it's like one of those. It's not all those yeah. who wander. Not all those who wander are lost. J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> like, yeah, it's well. This is something that this is kind of like. I think it's more along the lines of like cats in the cradle being uh, attributed to Cat Stevens or whatever. You know, like hmm. it's not. Um, so who said it? Who said it's it? so hard to track those down? Like it's I, um, it's impossible a, at, at this. There's point. a website called Quote Investigator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like Snopes for quotes. Yeah, see exactly. that needs to exist because Goodreads is a hellhole. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Okay, Quote Investigator believes that Eleanor Roosevelt can be credited with expressing the core idea of this by saying it in 1935. Within five years, the graceful modern version of the maxim was synthesized. Okay, so it looks like she said no one something. can make you feel. Yeah, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent is the Paraphrase, paraphrasing yeah, of yeah. whatever she said, which was, um, yeah, I don't really know. There's a whole long article if anybody's interested in unquoteinvestigator.com about that quote. But I am anyway. Getting back to it, that teacher passed that out, and 
that had way more of an effect than any, you know, tough love that my dad ever gave me or whatever. Hmm. It just, it was, that was all wasted on me. But like, hmm. you know, the course of a semester being kind of like snapped at by a teacher and then seeing like the humility afterwards mm. that that went a lot more way. And then I was in martial arts for 15 years, you yeah, know, and that, um, that guy, that was he, sensei, we call him. I mean, he's just sensei <laughs> in my head now, but he, he was all about, you know, tough love, but yeah. teaching and being, he was the one who said to be good, you must be difficult. Mm. And I just thought like, like that dude made me cry so many times. Yeah. But it but also kept made going me back. Yeah, I kept going back, and, no, and that says something, became, you know, about you. Yeah. like there are a lot of there are a lot of scouts who start with the troop, and they mm-hmm. have one bad experience with an older scout, and they never come back. And it's in some cases, it's it's kind of sad. In some cases, it's like, well, you know, I the troop's probably stronger without them here because they were the kind of kid that would cry about not having pop tarts instead of oatmeal or you know, like whatever. But <laughs> I cry about that. <laughs> I miss my pop charts, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I don't know. I think, I think there's something to the range of emotions that, uh, so, you know, somebody in like a teaching position can show you. Um, maybe not all of them are like Dr. Cox, but I think if, you know, they can get to a point where they can, they can show you some sort of aggressive lesson, you know, whether it be like a physical thing in, in karate or uh, a, a tough lesson that you learn on a camp out. Um, I think allowing them to experience that hardship, but then showing them the meaning of that or showing them a solution to that afterwards is where the real opportunity is for growth. Right. Showing them that it's in their best interest to change. Mm-hmm.